This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody um, and uh, welcome to this very, very special episode of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, I'm Ben. This is episode 100, um, which is... I mean, I don't really know how we've managed to get this far without potentially killing each other, but I'm actually joined by Gary, and Gary's doing all the techie stuff today, so... I am on... Yeah, I've got to be on point with techie things, so I'm going to be pressing buttons and bringing videos in and uh, and all that sort of stuff. So um, just so uh, we were talking off air and we said it'd be great if we got you know, 40 people watching, and at the moment we're already at 52. Um, Bloody hell. So, yeah, I know. Wow. Two people have chosen to look at us on a Thursday evening. <laughs> I, I mean, I can think of better things to do with a Thursday evening, to be honest, but, uh, but yeah. there we go. Me too. It's exciting, mate. Yeah, I mean, episode 100. Yeah, obviously, we, we've got to mention about the uh, what the club put out earlier as well with uh, in conjunction with Mr. Ray. Um, that was phenomenal. Very observational indeed. Yes. Yeah, absolutely floored me that did. I was not expecting that at all. Um, so yeah, thank you to to everyone at the club and of course to Chris for for getting that sorted. Um, it was very very much appreciated. Um, it featured as the little pre chat thing as well or pre stream thing. Right. It's all right, man. It's on the screen. 
That's it. Um, but I did notice that the Stacey West Live in the top corner actually blocked out the Man United badge. Uh, and to a degree, it's also blocking out the Transformers pictures in the background, I noticed as well. Are you? I didn't realise you had a five-year-old whose bedroom you filmed in. It's the second time you've made that joke and it doesn't get funny. But <laughs> it tell gets you what, just, funnier every time. <laughs> just for you guys, I'll sort something out. Hang on. You can talk while I do this, if you like. In the meantime, I will ad-lib then. So, look, this is going to be really, really exciting, um, looking at Ben's game collection. My Lord, look at all of that. Do you know what? It's almost as if he had those shirts ready, isn't it? Look at that. There we go. Is that a match one? There we go. Is it a match one, Michael Boswick, that one, is it? What did you say? Is it a match worn, Michael Boswick? I believe it is, yes. Wow, that's very good. Yeah. Look. On the, you know, the main crux of it tonight is the top 100. Um, mm -hmm. We did the vote. Two and a half thousand votes or more than two and a half thousand votes came in um, for some very suspicious characters indeed. Um, <laughs> there's been controversy on everyone that I've done, whether it's Liam Bridcut, John Akindi or Bradley Wood. But we're mm -hmm. down to the 25. We're down to an elite now. Look, these are the cream of the crop. These are, in my opinion, a collection of the very best players over the last 30 or 40 years. And I don't think there'll be a lot of arguments when we get down to the, the top 10. It'll be more on placings. Um, just so you know, uh, and these, these are this is, this is research, um, between these 25 players, there are 4,962 appearances for Lincoln. Between them, they scored 712 goals. There are 15 winners' medals amongst them for titles and, and cups and things. 16 Player of the Year awards. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? It's, I mean, it, it just shows you really that I think people are going to obviously see that there's, with such a you know wealth of players to, to choose from, like the, the, the sort of range in eras and, and teams and everything else. Um, it's just, it's vast, isn't it? Like it's, it's an amazing array of players. And when you look at it, when you look at, well, particularly the top 25, but you look at all of the other ones, just so many quality players that would, I think would walk into any side, you know, on their day, they, they would absolutely walk into any, um, like any first 11, really, you know, in the, in the prime. Now, before we get started, let's just have a quick look at some of these comments because there are, at the moment there are 108 people watching, which is unreal. Uh, Kate, yeah. already been on. Evening, guys. Hope you're both well. Hoping someone like Forrester or Ainsworth wins it. Get the feeling. Yayo will. Interesting. Uh, okay. We've got Keith in looking forward to this. Good stuff. Uh, Kev's on board. This should be a belter of a show. Well, let's hope so. Uh, Malcolm, hi boy Owen Ben. That's in reference to Gary being too formal, by the way. But Malcolm and I have been having right, okay. <laughs> over the week. Sam White is international, listening from New Zealand, which is phenomenal. Look, thank you to everyone who's commenting. Um, it would be uh, it'd be remiss of me um, not to say thank you, but I can't get everybody's on. I'm afraid. Adam Lee has put FIFA down for this. Wow, what's your ultimate team like, mate? Let us know. And Jake, evening you two, hope my favourite podcast hosts is well. Host is well, that'll be me. Um, well, I don't know. We should have got Jake on. I've just been, we've been so manic this week. Um, but thank you, Jake, for all the work that you do on the site, mate. It is hugely Absolutely. appreciated. So, shall we get the show on the road? Let's do it. 
I will get on my techie bit and we will get the first video up. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the top 25 starts with... Number 25, Harry Anderson. A rather muted Alan Long, uh, but he gets much more excited as he goes through. Uh, so, yes, at number 25, we've got Harry Anderson. And I think before we uh, discuss him in any way, uh, roll VT Errol. I'm delighted to be joined by Harry Anderson. He has been voted 25th best player of a generation, uh, the highest placed member of the current squad. Um, how does it feel, Harry? <laughs> um, I'm absolutely over the moon. Um, I really appreciate all the votes. Uh, it means a lot to me. So obviously, I've got a great... Uh, love for this club and uh, to be voted in top 100 is um, yeah I'm very proud thank you um, and from your city career what what moments really stand out for you and, and stick with you uh, it's got to be winning the three trophies I think and obviously playing at Wembley it's uh, an experience that I'll, I'll never forget Thank you. And there are three players who have played with you during your time who are also in the top 25. Um, who would you pick from your time at City to be one of the best players of a generation and why? I think it's got to be uh, Lee Frecklington. And I definitely think he, should, he, will be, he will more than doubt be in there, I think. Um, he's obviously, he was the captain when I was there. Uh, he's a really good role, role model. And, um, yeah, I definitely feel like he deserves to be in there. Smashing, thank you. And do you have a, a message to the fans that have voted for you, Tom? Uh, just thank you. And uh, hopefully I can I can do even more uh, for the club and uh, hopefully more trophies in the future. Especially as you approach your 175th appearance, <laughs> not yeah. your 150th. Yeah, yeah, 175. Hopefully get 200 this year. That's my so, Harry Anderson, two points from that. First of all, the 175 was referenced to the fact that I screwed up my research as I revealed on the pod um, last time out. Obviously, you also mentioned Lee Frecklington there. Um, and unfortunately, Lee isn't in the top 25. He came just outside as well. But Ben, thoughts on Harry Anderson? Um, well, I mean, he's he, he sort of epitomised what the club's been over the past few years, isn't it? You know, he's, he's come on leaps and bounds as a player. Um, he has just been... I mean, you know, obviously coming in during the National League on loan, making that deal a permanent one, um, and Kate's got it there, I think. You know, the fact is that he's he's proven every time someone doubts him, he, he's managed to prove his doubt is wrong, um, particularly the start of this season. I think there was a lot of people saying, oh, you know, can he do it? Can he cut it in League One? I think there was some, obviously, some rumours about him potentially leaving during the close season. Um, but he seems like he's... He's really settled here. He's, you know, he's happy um, and he's the kind of player that, well, really, he's, he's irre well, not irreplaceable, but he's, he's definitely inimitable. Um, I think he's just, he's got the enthusiasm, he's got the youth on his side, but despite the fact he's still young, he's one of, well, he is the most experienced player in a Lincoln City shirt in our team at the moment. Have you swallowed a dictionary? <laughs> no, it's because I can see my face. <laughs> Why, has your face got indomitable written on it um, yes no, inimitable gary inimitable whatever you know my pronunciation books in the bin chris <laughs> um, you no know, i think you know my admiration for harry anderson is huge i think um there's an element and this will upset kev barwise there's an element of the scott kerr about him in that he's had to prove himself all over again and i think when he mm. first came in a few people thought he might not be a michael appleton player 
Um, I think at times, when I say one-dimensional, I don't mean that negatively to him, but we knew what we were going to get with Harry. He's big, he's strong, he gets down the line, you can't knock him off the ball, he does straight lines all the time. This season has been completely different. Um, and, I mean, we started to see him arrive in at the back post, I think, probably last season, uh, Rotherham, Burton, uh, Everton, he arrived late in the box. So he added that to his game. Um, but I think now he's bringing the ball inside a lot more as well. Uh, huge, huge asset, huge asset, um, massive player for the club. Now, we actually have a time limit. So uh, I'll drop a couple of uh, comments. Pete, uh, my good friend Pete, says, I stand by my claim, Lincoln's first one million player. Let's hope so. Uh, Bubs is on board. Harry's hair, uh, Harry's longer hair makes him look faster down the wing. He come on the other night and my dad said, I like Harry Anderson, but I wish he'd get his bloody hair cut. Um, <laughs> and, and I thought, well, I don't want him to say that to Mo tonight if he's watching. Not that he probably is. Um, and Kate says, Harry's not like Scott Kerr. He actually makes an impact on games. <sighs> Somebody <laughs> call the fire brigade. Right. Yeah, we, have, out. we have 20 minutes to get the next five in. So we've got a couple of minutes each. Are we ready for another one, ladies and gentlemen? Let's go. We're going to look for the number video. Alan Long, take it away. And number 24, Kevin Austin. Super, Super Kev. Super Kev. Yeah. Um, well, just a bit of a city legend, really, isn't he? Um, it, I think, obviously, it's, you know, the the your mind gets drawn straight away to the fact that he's been, uh, you know, he's obviously taken way too soon from us but um he, he was a rock i think when he when he, when he played for us um popped up at the other end as well um it was sort of i think he was relatively early in my city supporting years i think what was when when was he when was he in 97 98 when he yeah, i just so did you in 97 as a as a child so i'm not having i'm not going to i'm not going to be displaying those just yet no i would um, either mate but uh, yeah, I mean, it was you know that 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 was when I was you know about ten or so. So it, it's just the name and the you know what he was like as a as a defender stuck out for me. Really, he was just brilliant player, and it, it you know rightly so went on to to have a, a very good career. Well, um, he, he had a, a long career. I don't think he had the career he could have had. Um, hmm. I mean, he did a bit of research for you. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's so unfair because I told you I was going to send you this over and then I didn't get time. Didn't get time. Um, so uh, he played 146 Show prep. Show prep. <laughs> 146 appearances for the club, two goals. He was player of the year in 1998, which was the year that we were promoted. So what we're talking about here is, is a footballer who had a major impact on a side that was that actually went on to some success. And as I was looking through the list earlier, it's surprising how many of the players as we go down the list, didn't win a trophy, didn't win a promotion, but still managed to capture um, the players. Just uh, just to clear something up from earlier as well. Uh, my daddy's watching. So there we go. And uh, just to get him in, get Sean in trouble. Apparently my dad's jealous of Harry's hair. Um, what I really remember, two things about Kevin Austin that really stick in my mind. One, uh, there was the appeal for the fans to help bring him in. He was kind of like a modern day Peter Grotier. Um, you know, my dad always used to tell me about the, the fans saved, the fans got the money to bring in Peter Grotier. And I always kind of, I got on board with that, you know, here's a player who's so exciting, the fans wanted him. Um, and the other thing about uh, Austin that always um, stuck with me is he, he was an absolute monster. 
Like I'd been watching Lincoln from 1986 uh, was my first game. And I remember thinking, I haven't seen a footballer that's built like this. I mean, he was, I think other managers now, they would call him a specimen, but he was just carved out. Unit, he was carved out of stone, man. He could have been on a plinth uh, in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence by Michelangelo. That was how, do you know what I mean? And that always stuck with me. Had he not got injured, he moved to Barnsley, was injured in the Coca-Cola Cup, whatever it was, against us, never came back the same player. I will boldly say, and I will stand by this till the day I die, had he not got injured and he had kept going on to achieve his potential, he would have played top-flight football. Absolutely wow. no doubt whatsoever, in my opinion. Um and I concede that he was primarily a centre back, not a left back. <laughs> I remember having that conversation with you. So, yeah, I remember right. having well, Pete, my mate Pete. Uh, I always have to call him my mate Pete, as if you don't know who Pete is. Uh, <laughs> always drops it in on me. Always drops it in on me. If he's losing another argument, he goes, "Yeah, but Kevin Austin was a centre back." <laughs> Shall we do another one? We shall indeed. Like the Royal Rumble, isn't it? Who's coming in at 23? <laughs> Alan Long, take it away. Number 23, Graham Bressington. Now, this is before your time, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because uh, he was Player of the Year in 1991, 141 appearances, seven goals. Um, he was what I would call an old-school footballer. He was the previous breed. And if you listen to Under the Cosh now... Um, I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast, yeah. um, but it's always um, they're always talking about players of yesteryear and they're talking about the drinking culture and they're talking about that sort of thing. Um, and Graham Bressington was very, very much entrenched in that, but he was a very good player as well. Um, he could pop up with goals, scored the goal of the season. I think it was in 89-90 against Gillingham. We lost 3-1. Um, and I remember that. Have I gone all funny? Um, it's not as crispy as it was. I can uh, still okay. hear you. Uh, just so we... Okay, no worries. I'm not quite sure what the problem is there then. Um, yeah, so I, again, I, um, I, I I just felt Graham Breston was one of my early heroes. I met him again in 2007 um, and he would basically, basically his exact words were, I'd kill my granny for a win on the pitch. Uh, <laughs> what he said. Wow. So... Um, yeah, I've got somebody here, uh, Malcolm Johnson, clearly remembers him, um, the Glenn Hoddle of Division 4. Uh, Adam Ball remembers him. Bressy was a great player. Uh, Paul, our good friend Paul's on, he had thighs like oak trees. Yeah, but they weren't like uh, they weren't like Kevin Austin's, were they? Come on. <laughs> uh, and Danny Nairs, Bress, top player on and off the field, always had time for the fans. Old school. I desperately tried to get him for this. He has no social media profile. There's nobody called Bressington who lives anywhere around where he does. He lives down there. Some friends of mine in um, uh, in Wickham. Um, so I've got a just so people know, I'm pixelating. Uh, as long as you can still hear me, I, I've got a real problem with my internet connection at the moment. So um, you know, this is, is going to be as good as it gets. I'm afraid. It wouldn't be a Stacey West podcast without technical issues, would it, guys? No, but they're my fault this time. See, we... I said before we started this, he said it was going to be difficult for him to be horrible to me because he can see me. And I said, yeah, you can see the pain. You can see the pain that it causes me. And, you know, it'll cut me. It'll cut me deep. <laughs> anyway. Should we do another? Yeah, let's go for it. At number 22, Alan Power. 
or just power, according to the graphic. <laughs> um, I mean, he was the National League's Conor McGregor, wasn't he? Mm. Um, <laughs> well, he thought he was. Um, but no, I think um, the, the thing for me with uh, with Alan Power, I, I, you know, admittedly came uh, quite late back into the uh, the National League era. Um, but he was a player that immediately stood out to me when I, you know, when I started coming back. Um, he had the confidence, he had the talent, um, and I think he had the the rapport with fans as well that I think was quite important to people. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he just always stood out. Um, obviously, the you know at that level, he was a cracking player. Um, and the the moment for me that will stand out. Um, well, forever really was the the Brighton the penalty against Brighton. It was just the way that he, the way that he stuck it, um, you know, the way he stuck it away after having quite a long delay for the keeper going off, um, and then is uh, is is Conor McGregor walk as well. It was, uh, yeah, it was something. There you go. That that McGregor celebration. It was uh, it was a moment that really, yeah, it cemented everything for me for coming back. Uh, Sam Ray says that power gave everything. Uh, I think that's right, just so other people know as well. Charlie Russell from the club, he is on the board. Uh, he was complaining, saying Andrew Boyce should have been higher. So contact Charlie Russell at redimps.com to tell him why he shouldn't. Um, no, Alan Power, look, I was a massive Alan Power fan for the same reasons that Sam Ray said, um, in that he gave everything. And there was the season um, where I think think it was i think it was under simo um where there was clearly the, the the team around him simply wasn't turning in the the performances that they should have been um mm. john nolan i think was one that sticks in mind who was a phenomenal footballer when he wanted to be and when he wasn't but he like sticking his bottom lip out you never got that with alan power um i thought he had a really tough um uh 16, 17, you know, he wasn't in Danny's plans. He had to force his way back in uh, to some degree. Uh, the penalty against Brighton obviously sticks in in my mind. Um, but I, I just thought that season he helped us get over the line. Yeah, you know, and he's probably the best player we've ever had who will never play a football league game for us. Um, because when you look at the GMVC winning team, um, obviously there was, there was quite a few of those came through to the football league. Alan Power played the first kick. Uh, of our National League season. He played the last kick of our National League stay, rather, uh, and he never, ever played Football League for us. Delighted that he moved up to um, uh, to Scotland. Delighted his career is going well for him. Yeah. Uh, and it looks I mean, to he, me he, like a few people agree. Um, yeah, I was going to say, he seems to be, you know, carving out a, a decent career for himself north of the border now. It's just, he's been that sort of player. Um, you know, he's, he, like you say, leaves it on the pitch, um, and you can't really argue with that for you know anybody that that plays. At, well, I think somebody said, um, yeah, Pete said, you know, it's it's hard to it's difficult to not love a player who rinses every last bit of talent. It's yeah. he's just fantastic. So Do you know what? That's a good way to put it. Yeah, he he made the most of what he had, and I think that's the the way to do it. And he still does it today. So um, very good. He also made two hundred and sixty-one appearances, scored thirty-six goals, and was Player of the Year in twenty thirteen. There you go do another we, we're on course here we've only got three more to do before half <laughs> now this is one this is a personal favorite of mine alan long who is it at 21 david putnam 
Damn I'm gonna have to let you wax. Uh, I'm gonna have to let you wax lyrical on this one, Gaz. I think it's uh, it's another one I, that's slightly before me. I had a very interesting discussion um, at a dinner with Danny Cowley once, and that's not me name dropping. It was this sponsors dinner kind of thing. We'd won an auction, and we all went round um, uh, to to uh, today's house, and it, we were having this uh, this this dinner, and um, um, we were naming our best eleven. And I named Alan Par uh, uh, Dan I'm getting mixed up now. David Putnam on the left wing. Um, I'm forgetting all my names. Uh, Pete, his name is a good friend of mine. Pete, forget his name. He's that good a friend. But no, he was saying he's not fit to lay such and such his boots. He's absolutely rubbish. He's this and that. And it, do you know what? It always grabbed me that, about that, 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 how one person's excellent kind of hero can be somebody else's his crap. Um, and I, I would like to think that I am in the right because Sean Simons agrees with me. He said he was a wizard. Uh, I really liked Putts. Player of the Year in 1993, 204 appearances, 22 goals. Um, he, he was an out-and-out -out winger in an era where we didn't tend to have very many, um, or certainly not very many that stuck out. And when you've been forced to watch the likes of Steve Mardenborough on the wing, um, Dave Johnson, to a degree, who Magic Johnson was, in my opinion, average, but Putnam just, he was one of those that when he turned up, he turned up. Do you know what I mean? He, he was he was absolutely superb. Uh, and uh, I think when we got rid of him, he went to Gillingham, which was a real shame. And he, I think it was Steve Wicks got rid of him and Dean West, uh, which I would never forgive him for. So uh, just quickly, though, Ben, Shane Wakefield's got a question for you. Um, I have seen this question. Yes. Uh, any chance you could answer that at all? Uh, no, I'm not drinking my own urine. I'm drinking uh, Winter Jack and Lemonade. Winter Jack is a Jack Daniels uh, sort of themed drink. It's very nice. So is it alcoholic? Yes. So you're on the beer? Yeah, pretty much. I wish I was. I only brought bloody Fanta in. I could have brought a can of ice. <laughs> I thought about it. Malcolm Johnson's David Putnam was a proper left winger. He was a proper left winger. Kev Barwai scored one of the best volleys away at Preston on the opening day of 95 that I've ever seen by an Imps player. That, we beat Preston 2-1 that day, and it was the same year that we had three managers. I think Sam Ellis was in charge that day, and we ended up sacking him. Steve Weeks came in, sold David Putnam and Dean West, and I think it was Putnam and West that scored on that day at Preston as well. So there we go. That's David Putnam to another one that Ben might struggle to talk about in a Lincoln shirt, but not yeah. in a, another shirt. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Long. And number 20, Darren Huckabee. Now, interesting fact, Darren Huckabee has the fewest appearances of anybody in the top 25. Just 31 times he appeared for Lincoln. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the thing is for me, Huckabee's Huckabee's legacy really is is when he when he left and you know Newcastle came to Central Bank and Shearer made his debut. There was all the talk beforehand about him, you know, keeping him down to one hat trick instead of three, and he only scored one on the night, and that was from the spot. So um it's he's a player that, you know, obviously there is a there is an affection for him and, and for you know good reason from what he went on to do, but as a as a Lincoln City player, um, like you say, it's it's one that I'd, I would probably struggle to to recall all that much. Yeah, I um I remember seeing him play a little bit 
Um, I, I didn't get to every game at the time. Um, I know that he was one that when he came out of the academy, there was lots and lots of excitement about him. Um, I know he, he scored away, I think, on his debut. Or he did, yeah, there we go. Debut away at Shrewsbury. That's from Steve Rowland. Um, came on and scored. Exciting player to watch. Uh, he lived with Keegan for a short period when he went to Newcastle. I think he did. I think when you read um, Hockby's book, which is really good, um, he, he says that he, I think he lived with Keegan. He was also, when you read his book, very confident. He believed in his talent and he believed that he had every right to be playing, not just in the senior team at Lincoln, um, but also in the senior team at, at Newcastle, Coventry, Man City, wherever he went on to play. I think... Um, I think that his, like you say, his legacy was more about the fact that he went for a huge chunk of money. I think if you look at the numbers, and I might have my timelines wrong here, but I seem to think that the Hockerby money ended up helping us bring in possibly not Ainsworth, but possibly Gavin Gordon, something like that. So the money was certainly invested back in the side and kind of, and it was the summer of 96, wasn't it? I think we'd already signed Ainsworth. Yeah, I I seem to recall it being Gordon, but I might be yeah, wrong. I think it was Gavin Gordon. Now, I, I, to be honest, I did see it at one point while I was double checking uh, my my facts, and I, I haven't written it down on my my second screen, which is my godsend at the moment. Um, but you know, he's probably one of our most famous sons in terms of coming out of the youth academy. And I think even when you look at some of the other players that have come out of our academy. Um, in Lee Frecklington and things like that, very few went on to play very, very regular centre forwards, uh, very regular top flight football. Um, so very interesting. Just as a word, we do have two guests coming on tonight as well. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be talking about players that are before both mine and Ben's time. Um, we've got uh, Dave and Mark. They are both in the green room waiting. I can see them. Um, they can see me, but they can't be heard or seen. Give us a wave, Dave and Mark. Dave's giving me a wave. Mark's just setting himself back up. There he is. We've got a wave as well. So they're in. They're going to be talking about players from their time. I mean, I can't see that. So that is exclusively for you, Gaz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what comments have we got? Kate says it's, it's un unusual that there's no talk of XG today. Uh, so there well, I can we go. tell you that our XG on Saturday was 2.54. Well, yeah, it's because you've read my article yeah. today. <laughs> Unlike you, Ben, getting your information from one of my articles. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we do another one? Because this is we were meant to get this one done before half past. So if we get this one in, we're going to be on time. We're on track, mate. We're on track. We're on track. So, ladies and gentlemen, prepare to get throthing at the mouth because the 19 best player of a generation, according to Stacey West fans, is number 19, Paul Farman. I'll let you take it first. <laughs> I mean, thing is, like, Farms was the, he was the, obviously the keeper when I sort of came back to the club. Um, and for me, he was that character, you know, the, more than anything else, Farms is a great character. He's that kind of player that will stay in the mind as, you know, as the lad that got on, you know, stood on everybody's shoulders when we went up and led the whole stand, you know, the whole stadium in singing. He was the guy that, went out on the you know on the lash after we after we got promoted and was filmed in a toilet with a you know uh wet floor sign clapping it and yeah not, nothing like that nothing like that yeah he, he was the one that you know clapping the the sign and singing um you know free from desire all the rest of it and he was he, he was just there for you know a very long time and i think he was unfairly vilified towards the end of his reign 
by some, of, not by all. By yeah, some. Yes, yeah. yeah, by some. I think he was, you know, unfairly criticised by by a lot of people. I think, um, particularly when it came to a, maybe a bad run of form, I think he took the brunt of a lot of the the, um, the blame. When really it was it it was unfairly levied at his door, um, and I think the fact that he's gone on to be. Um, as revered by the fans at Stevenage as he as he was at Lincoln, I think it proves that you know he, while not necessarily the best keeper that we've ever had, he is definitely one of the best characters that we've ever had um, in the club. And I think it's it's being proven the more that he goes on. Yeah, I think. I mean, before I go on, just to pick up, I mean, Sean uh, says he was a great servant to the club, uh, England's number one, which I think we might hear that again before the end of the show. Uh, D Hubbard says he had a great sense of humour. Um, Sam Ray Farms always had time for the fans again you know that's really important and I think that's one of the reasons why we saw Brad and um, Bradley Wood appear was was that kind of link with the fans and Bob's obviously loved him uh, because he was a <laughs> I think, yeah, again, I think again, he was the only one that could understand him <laughs> I think how approachable Farms was 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 um, was really important um, my, my, my partner and I had a bit of a laugh because she always the well, first game she ever came to she used the ball because he was skinhead at the time, you know, who's the keeper and you know, having a laugh and she bought a fridge magnet and kind of had this faux crush on, on Paul Farmer. And I remember, mess- <laughs> I remember putting, messaging him on Twitter at Christmas and saying, you know, can you, uh, do you want to wish, wish my partner happy, uh, happy Christmas? And that was it. She, he was straight on it. And I liked that. But look, let's take away from that. 2016-17 was a title winning season. It was a season Lincoln City mm. put themselves on the map. We won a trophy. We got to the FA Cup quarterfinal. We got to the FA Trophy semi-final. We did all of that with Paul Farman in goal. He was outstanding that season. Look at that mm. performance at Arsenal. Man of the match, despite us getting beaten 5-0. Yeah. Take it back from that. When you think about um, when when Nick Townsend came in and Farms was pushed out on loan to Boston, what did he do? He bounced back. He came back. He was player of the year in 2015. You know, he, had, he showed character. And he always used to tell me all he ever wanted to do was play for the Football League. He wanted to do it with Lincoln if he could. I think he appeared for us in the Football League, but not too many times. Um, oh, hang on. Here we go. <laughs> Thought she was upstairs doing the ironing. Apparently she's watching it. Um, yeah, but he, for me, I, I just, I, I love the guy. And I think um, I think he's keeping goal now at Carlisle, um, mm-hmm. doing well. He's living his dream. That's his dream was Football League. He knew you know, the level that he was at um, and fair play to him. And uh, just to finish on that, Dean Wagstaff says he was a top role model uh, for mm. my lad. Absolutely. So, so Paul Farman, uh, I think we've heard quite a bit now on him. Let's move on to what number are we on? Number 18. Here's one for, I don't even think it's just a generation, this one. I think uh, number 18 spans a generation because as Alan Long will tell you, it is... At number 18, Grant Brown. And before we have a conversation, uh, we've actually got two videos from Grant, but we're going to play one of them now and then one of them when he talks about another player later on. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen. I am delighted to be here with yet another Lincoln City legend. I seem to be making a habit of it on this show. A record appearance holder, Mr. Grant Brown. Um, congratulations, Grant, on, uh, on placing in the top 25. Thank you very much, Gary. It's, uh, it's a great honour, great privilege to be uh, recognised by the fans and uh, in the top to be in the top 25 over so many different areas that we've uh, that we've had at the football club and uh, 
jitter with the the um, uh, the great success we've had in recent times. There's obviously fresh in people's memory the uh, the success we've had of late. It's uh, it's nice for some to uh, to remember back a little bit longer and uh, and recall myself. So very proud and very honoured. Wonderful. That with so many uh, appearances for the club, you played through quite a few eras. Um, which which kind of era stands out for you, or which which couple of eras stand out for you, and why? Yeah, obviously the first bit with 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 Merth was a, was a great time, a great learning experience for me. Uh, some great players, some you know, uh, not great players, but great team work, great cam- uh, um, camaraderie, which was one of Merth's uh, favourite scenes. Um, I really enjoyed working under Tomo, Steve Thompson. Uh, Maybe it's because he was a, a centre half, and uh, as well that uh, that, I, that I really took to Tomo, and um, and obviously Becky, John Beck, we had success with Becky. Um, you know, um, he, he did a lot of the groundwork for the uh, for the um, promotion that Shane saw us through to, and um, you know he was good to work with as well, Shane Wesley. So yeah, um, good times, good, good areas to play in, different areas to now games. Changed massively since then, but you know it was uh, it was an enjoyable time. Wonderful. You mentioned there are a couple of central defenders that you played with. Of the top twenty-five, I think there's just five central defenders have been voted in. Do you think it's a tougher position to have to try and impress fans rather than the the fancy Dan Winger and the goal scorer? Yeah, I think very much. So. I think it's uh, everybody loves a goal scorer. Everybody loves a, a winger that goes past players and and entertains. But um, you know you can't do that. You, you, if you haven't got um, defenders in to stop them scoring, you're not going to win football matches. So, you know, it, whilst um, you know, they're not glory hunters, but they always get recognised as um, um, uh, for, their, for their achievements in scoring goals and creating goals. Uh, most of the times, teams that win things concede the least amount of goals. So, I think it's a, it's a vitally important uh, position, and um, you know, it's uh, when you come to defenders, it's uh, you. you Relying on your central defenders to um, uh, to keep the ball out and to organise things, and the fact that there's, there's five in there is probably it's it reckon it shows that, they, that you know the fans know what they're talking about. You know, it, it, I'm sure there's a lot of places that would be just just all centre forwards and, and wingers and, and flair players. So it's good that the fans recognise the, the job the central defenders do. I think before we go on, we've got quite a lot of reaction coming in for Grant. Um, Danny Nez says Grant is a true imp. Pete Steele, let's not forget all the work with the youth during the lean years. Pubs um, loved Grant. Kev Barwise talked about his screamer away at Chesterfield, 40 yards or probably more. Uh, lots and lots of people uh, with hoof, oof. Uh, we've also got Sean with Mr Lincoln City. Uh, your, your appearance stats there on the video actually did him a disservice uh, because I believe he played 469 games for Lincoln, not 407. Well, I blame Wikipedia. I think you picked. I think uh, Wikipedia do um, league appearances. Oh, subs is in subs is in brackets, probably, isn't it? Yeah, I forgot league, to add it to league as well. Doesn't matter anyway. At the end of the day, look. I mean, I I spoke to Grant um, literally minutes uh, before the. Um, Plymouth game before I went live on Match Day Live and I kind of I rushed the interview through a little bit. I mean, we've got that. We've got him talking about other players in a little while. And then at the end, he was like, oh, yeah, how are you doing? I said, oh, Match Day Live, I'm running three minutes. And he actually sounded disappointed because hmm. uh, he actually said, oh, I, I won't talk to you anymore. You know, yeah. 
you know, I want to talk to Grant about the Lincoln City because he will have stories that span David Putnam, Graham Brassington, mm. right the way through to Alan Marriott, Pete again. And for me, they're two separate eras, but this man defines an entire era. Um, he's 100% a Lincoln City legend. Uh, let's not just talk about his longevity, though. You know, I mean, he was a good central defender. You had to be to play that many games without being kicked out the door. Mm. You know, he was dependable. He was reliable. He was a Tom, like a Steve Thompson defender. No nonsense. Tackle when you need to. Head it away. Kick it away. You know, you, you wouldn't have got him particularly doing a Lewis Monsma um, unless there was really space and time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just think, yeah, as, as Pete says here, there's a whole podcast talking to Grant. It mm. might be in the pipeline. Let's just say that much. Might be in the pipeline. I mean, Ben. I, d- I don't really think there's a whole lot more that we can say other than that, to be honest. It was, um, he is he is Mr. Lincoln City, you know, in terms of a player. I um, mean, he, he is Lincoln City. Like, he, he's got that appearance record. He, you know, as, as Pete mentioned, he was the player that, stepped up into the coaching level when we were in the lean years. I think at one point he was even assistant manager. You know, he he took on board so much from the club um and you know and gave back to the club as well. Like he is he's just been such a phenomenal servant both as a player and as a manager or you know as a member of staff within the club. Um and you know I think the fact that to this day he still does bits for the for the club um is it just says it all, really. And I think that there was one thing that um, I think when we, you know, we were fortunate enough to get invited along to the Battle of Brit Memorial flight not long ago. Um, well, about a year ago now, I think it was actually. Um, but it was, you know, the, there were players there. Uh, well, Grant was there, Harry Toffolo was there, Roger Bates was there, and the media team were there. You know, we were able to just mix and chat with them all day. And Grant, he was just talking about anything and everything just a fantastic guy to, to have a chat with and I, I would absolutely love to get a whole podcast with grant um at some point because and, i uh, want to talk to him about joe allen's piles um so anyway, okay. honestly, the thing before, where... before we go anywhere i just want to show one thing this is the photo that i said would never see the light of day and given that this is a very special podcast there That's is grant me and ben that is me. No, and young Grant Brown. There. Just look yeah. at that hair. I think I had curtains uh, like that, although mine were ginger, so mine were probably off-putting for girls. Um, <laughs> before we carry on, because we are about to welcome in one of our guests shortly, so um, but before we carry on, Paul Norton says, before the end, get the trumpet out. Now, at that point, I was a little bit concerned. And <laughs> Get the trumpet out and play Poacher's Tune. I hope Rachel's prepared for that. Uh, let's get Gary dancing again. If Ben gets his trumpet out, you'll get me closing the browser, Paul. That's what's going to happen there. <laughs> but Rachel says Ben hasn't changed his hair in 30 years. He hasn't cut his hair in 30 years by the looks of things, Rachel. No, that's fair. <laughs> Shall we have another one? I can see let's Mark limbering up. I can see him limbering up off camera, ready to come on. Um, so... If we're getting a guest on, that means we're getting a player from another era, Alan Long. Who are we getting? And number 17, Mick Harford. Now, I'm not sure if that was Mick Harford in that picture. I'm not <laughs> sure it was. Just before we bring Mark in, Mick Harford is one of the two reasons I think I ended up supporting Lincoln because my granddad's budgie was taught to say Mick Harford. 
and he used to say, you know, which we as kids, if if you're if a pet can talk, you listen. Um, and so I ended up becoming a Lincoln fan. Uh, and it's also why I supported Luton for a while, because dad said, if you support Lincoln, you'll get picked on. I've told this story loads of times, so I won't tell it anymore. But to talk <laughs> about Mick Arthur, then tell us all about his 126 appearances, 46 goals, three years in a row as top scorer. Let's bring in Mark. Mark, Hi, how are you doing, mate? Good, thank you. I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about the introduction. He's... Uh, players before your time makes me feel very old <laughs> <laughs> made me feel old when ben said he couldn't remember growing bressington oh no i can't be an old man so um so mick harford i mean I don't, for those there'll be a lot of younger people watching who probably didn't get to see him play what sort of center forward was he so i mean he he, he was a proper center forward i mean we've had some great number nines over the years but i think you'd have to say not not many went on to play for england which which mick did uh, i think he had two caps possibly when he was at luton um, so I remember this because he arrived sort of about 77 so it was just yeah, after yeah. the sort of Graham Taylor era things were on a bit of a downward spiral and he was a real kind of shining star I'm amazed he was only at the club for I think three years I read which, which surprised me so in terms of type of player I mean he was he was quite a sort of a slightly built bloke but goodness me was he was he strong uh, phenomenal in the air held the ball up superbly I, I texted a few mates today about telling them about this. And one of them, who's not a Lincoln fan, said one word about Mick Harford, scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that just about captures it because he, he could properly look after himself. Um, excellent with his back to goal, but uh, left, left a fair few centre-offs in a crumpled heap as well. I mean, when you look back over his goals, I mean, he's top scorer uh, in 77, 78 with nine and, and 78, 79 with six. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, he was kind of, he was a good player in a struggling side. Yeah, struggling team, he, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he's yeah. 79, 80. I think he hit 16 and I, yeah. I may be wrong, but was that a promotion year or was it 80? Yeah, so, so, so this surprised me. So in my mind, I had him as part of uh, Murph's teams that pushed hard in the third division, but he'd gone by then. Um, that, that promotion year you talk about, Gary, I think that was his last year. And I do remember, how old have I been at the time? Sort of 16, 17 years old, so a bit more in the know about what was happening. And there were scouts watching him week after week. So it was kind of inevitability about him leaving. I think we sold him to Newcastle for 180,000, which must have been a fortune for Lincoln in those days. Um, but yeah, yeah, as you say, a, a top player in a struggling team. And then, I mean, his career after Lincoln tells its own story, really. Um, including apparently Fergie tried to buy him for United in the right towards the end of his career, which is something I didn't, I'd never picked up on. So, yeah, a really, really good player, um, fantastic player, and as I say, back to goal, header of the ball, second to none. And I've got here uh, Dave Roberts uh, says he was a yeah. hard man. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's as about sums him up. Uh, listen, Mark, thank you so much, mate. We'll, we'll get you back again shortly because uh, there's a, there's another one coming up very soon for you to talk about. Um, but for now, we shall slide you back into the green room. Thank Cheers, guys. Uh, I think we've got Pete Summers says Fergie did try to sign him to replace Mark Hughes. Obviously, wow. MacArthur later played for Chelsea, I think, as well. Played against Israel for England. I remember watching it. Uh, thinking that he was one of Lincoln's own. So, um, do you know what? I think it's time for another one, don't you? Yeah, let's go for it. I tell you what, I ought to take that off. Oops. <laughs> 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 that happened. 
the Stacey West podcast. Top class production, ladies and gentlemen. 130 people watching at the moment, by the way. Thank you so much, everybody. Alan Long, who's number 16? Number 16, Jamie Forrester. Mr. Forrester. Now, I know um, Kate obviously said, hoped that Jamie would be top. I'm pleased to see him on the top 25. I'll let you start, Ben. Oh, 100%. I think Forrester was, during that during those years that he was with the club, I think he was possibly, you know, he was probably my favourite striker. He, he just, he had it all. He had the, you know, he had the knowledge, he had the, you know, the intelligence, the awareness, um, and he had just a lethal finish on him. And you know, I think, obviously, the... The, the fact that you know we had that that hat trick of hat tricks in that season, I think they I think they actually came before October, if I remember rightly. Um, so he was he was that kind of player that was just so he was just so on it. And I think whenever you know if, they, if the ball got near him, you'd think, oh, that's it, he's gonna he's gonna uh, he's gonna you know grab a goal here. And I think he was just a, a proper you know if you'll excuse the fact that I'm using the term in front of yourself he was a proper poacher really was just a great great striker I think Keith Alexander's time and manager um, was defined by two things in my opinion one um, revitalization uh, and, and, and the playoffs and two his seemingly everlasting search for a striker <laughs> um, I've never known yeah. a manager bring so many strikers to a club. And, you yeah. know, when you talk, you talk about Yayo, you talk about Cropper, Ellis, Remy, Rory May, Danny Bacon, Shane Bradley, Chris Ward, Marcus Richardson, Francis Green, Gary Taylor. You could go on and on and on. And I would say that there's probably 20 or 30 strikers, um, A.D. Mike, Martin Carruthers, that Keith Alexander tried and didn't entirely either settle with or was forced to sell and, and with Yeo buyback and that sort of thing. Keith left us not long after um, uh, Jamie came to the club. He came when we beat Grimsby 5-0. That was his first game. Keith left after the playoffs at Grimsby later on. I think Keith found the striker that he needed because I think he found a striker who was of an age where he would have stayed at the club until the end of his career had we wanted him. He was a clever striker. He could play off a big man. He wasn't particularly quick. He was quick enough, but he had adapted his game by that point so that he didn't need to be 10 yards quick because he had already got three yards in his head with his movement and his positioning. Mm. And he was, in, in my opinion, he was one of the best strikers um, that we had during Keith's era in terms of the way he viewed the game. And that's mm. no disrespect to the likes of Simon Yeo, who was, you know, he was quick and he played the game with this kind of enthusiasm and it was a million miles an hour. Jamie Forrester, it was like chess. He already knew if you moved to D4, he was going to E3. He was eight, nine moves ahead. He was he was phenomenal. We talk about the hat-trick of hat-tricks. I remember the one away at Mansfield Town. It was a phenomenal away day. And yeah. he was just unplayable, more so with Mark Stallard because Stallard yes. was the perfect accompaniment because he was big, he was strong, but he could play as well. He had that footballer's brain as well. And it I was think Mark Stallard was also flipping hard, Gary. He was apparently <laughs> flipping hard. Um, but Forrester, for me, was just how Peter Jackson let him go, because I think mm. he scored um, – I mean, he was top scorer in 2006-07 uh, with 18, but I think he scored 13 the next season. I think Ben Wright may have outscored him. Um, and then Jacko released him and he went to Notts County, and he had a good season at Notts County as well. Uh, and for me, I think he should have stayed until um, mm. the end of his uh, career. 
A um, couple of people here saying Kev Barwise, for instance, unplayable in those first six months under Scoey. I think he he was unplayable all the way through the season. It was the rest mm. of the team that weren't. Uh, yeah. Kate, my choice, the most intelligent striker I've seen at the club. Yeah, I mean, again, summed up what I've said, could score, set up others, gent off the pitch, best all-rounder we've had. Stuart Coulter, welcome to the show. He was a gem of a striker. Sid Army's on, great footballing head, that hat-trick versus Barnet away, the goals away at Mansfield, top goals and Stallards, rip sides apart, and Pete calls him Lincoln's Teddy Sheringham. So thus far, I've seen Pete mention Alex Ferguson, Teddy Sheringham and Eric Cantona. Maybe he, you and Ben should get a room. <laughs> and we've said we're not going to swear, so you can't. I know, that's it. the annoying thing. Can't say it, can you? No, oh, man, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move to the next one. Yeah, no worries. Uh, let's have a look. So we are on. I know why you want this one to come. I've just seen the private <laughs> chat as well. <laughs> so for now, we're just going to say goodbye to Ben for a second, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Alan Long. Who comes in at number 15? At number 15, Dave Smith. Now, I'm going to bring Mark straight back in for this. Um, Mark, Dave Smith, a man who I have been told so many stories uh, about from my dad, from Malcolm Johnson. How much of a legend was he for the club? Yeah, I, I think I saw my first game at Central Bank in about 70, 71. And he would have been playing then. And all, and he was just never present, really. I mean, I can't remember going to a Lincoln game any time through the 70s than he was part of the side. And he was a bit, um, particularly in the early 70s, kind of footballers tend to look a bit like your dad, but all got short back and sides and shirt tucked in the shorts and all the rest of it. And Dave Smith had a bit of a kind of uh, lower division Georgie best about him, you know, slightly longer hair, the droopy tash. And he was a dribbler. He was a proper old-fashioned winger. Um, so not a kind of a, a Huckabee flying machine or even a Harry Anderson, but a real old-fashioned natural dribbler with a ball, loved to get it down, beat fullbacks, put, put, put crosses in. He just had that little bit of uh, a little bit of star quality, I guess you'd, you'd say, really. It's a time when it wasn't easy being that sort of player. And, of course, he was um, uh, pretty much never present in Graham Taylor's Division Four title winning side. Think he think he might have missed one or two games um, from from what I read about him. Um, very good technical footballer, left sided. Um, yeah, loved him to be pretty much a one club man. Uh, I think he had a I think he went out to Rotherham at the end of his career, but other than that, I think he was ten years at Lincoln. So fantastic player. See, I find that quite interesting as well, that longevity, because I think when you look at the likes of Graham Brown, that kind of appeals to fans as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, do you think that might have been tougher probably in the in the 70s to keep going for so long with with kind of sight with injuries often ruling you out for or ending careers that now you could play on with? Well, I, I guess so. And I mean, just I, I always think about hey, the, the, the quality of the surfaces these guys played on. Uh, I mean, Central Bank was was like a quagmire through the winter months and like the sort of Sahara Desert in the sort of last few weeks of the season. And I mean, some of the tacking that went on in those days, um, you know, games would be five sides now. So for somebody like him to play the amount of games, I think it was 370-odd games over 10 years. I mean, that's, that's some amount of games. And I don't recall him being missing through injury that often. Um, difficult to reach was, was always an ever-present. Um, it's funny because in Taylor's sides, there was a lot of power, you know, Sam Ellis, 
centre forward we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, but there's a lot of good technical footballers, Alan Harding, John Fleming, and and and, and Dave Smith was like that. You know, very good technical footballer, used the ball well, um, very comfortable with the ball at his feet, top player. Smashing. Thank you, Mark. We will touch. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to you in just a second. But if I can get my mouse to work, uh, which I can't, uh, we'll <laughs> say goodbye for now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'll bring Ben back in. I know everything's going wrong right now. My mouse as well. <laughs> uh, so just to echo kind of what, what Mark said there, when he rolled his socks down, you knew he meant business. Uh, Kit Topin says Smith had swag, rock solid. Dave Roberts, my hero, good friend, came to my wedding, should be in the top 10. In an all-time legends vote, Dave, he almost certainly would be, without a doubt, I think. Kev Barwise, he was Lincoln's maverick alongside Robin Friday and Stan Bowles, brilliant footballer and top bloke. You know who Robin Friday is, Ben? No. No? I'll lend you a book. Greatest footballer you never saw. I mean, according uh, to you, Malcolm. I won't read it. So, <laughs> Malcolm Johnson, Smithy could get stuck in too. So that's Dave Smith, um, absolutely fantastic player that I never saw. I wish I'd seen him play for Lincoln City, but we're going to move on now to another one. And Alan Long, I know he's going to get Ben incredibly excited now. At number 14, Harry Toffolo. Oh, cuts off quite quickly. Uh, now, <laughs> we weren't scheduled to have Dave Wilkinson in just yet. Uh, but I know that he wants to talk about Harry as well. So I'll give you a two-minute warning, Dave. We'll have a couple of uh, we'll have a few lines from you before uh, after myself and Ben. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think when it comes to Toff, it, there's no better way to endear yourself to fans than to score on your home debut. And when that home debut is against your former club, it's quite it's always quite important and quite special. And I think really it kind of went from there onwards and. Um, Toff just sort of grew as as the team, you know, as the team progressed. Where's the cardboard cut out? Um, I have had a text from today, actually. He's watching. So, all right, Harry. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things that it's he, – he grew as the as the season went on. Um, and obviously, you know, stayed, stayed with us for two seasons, was never present in that first season. Um, and I think that first season he took a place in the team of the season for League Two as well. Um, so the fact is that, you know, for me, he was, he was that kind of player that we needed at left back. Um, he wasn't afraid to, to get up the pitch as well as, you know, put a decent challenge in at the back. Um, and ultimately I've not just had a moment. No, sod <laughs> off. Um, you know, it was, it, it was the fact as well that part of it in the modern era, at least for me, the players that that strike a chord with me are the ones that make that impact off the field as well. And in terms of, you know, off the field stuff, um, Harry Toffolo is just, he, he is the top man for that. I think um, he is. Um, and yeah, as you know, as Jake said there, Toff's a hero. Feel so proud watching him excel in the championship. Couldn't happen to, uh, couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. And I just think he's, he is that kind of guy that, you know, he would, be the first in the queue for going to chat to, you know, people outside of the club and, uh, you know, on an ambassador role. He was the first one to say yes to coming on the podcast with us, you know, when we did it live. Um, there was, uh, you know, a friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine there, you know, their, their 
child got injured and, you know, I tried to arrange something with the fans and Toff was straight away just like, yes, not a problem. Um, and I think it's helped in the era that we're, we're in now with social media being kind of as, as prevalent as it is because Toff's used it to his full advantage. And, uh, yeah, just top bloke. And I'm really, really pleased to see him this high up in the list. No. I finished now, Gary. You can carry on. I can say something about Toff, can I? Am I allowed to? I didn't know if I was allowed to. I didn't know if you'd start getting well gel. Um, all, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> all I have to say about Toff is... Sorry, I've just seen Chris Keneally's comment. Ben and Toff, a better love story than Twilight. I've not, what, what's Twilight? I thought that said Twiglet for a minute. <laughs> yeah, Twiglet. It's the vampire movies. Um, yeah, I don't watch those. Um all I say about Toff before I bring Dave in, uh, I, I take everything that you say about him being off the, off the pitch. He, he's, he's a cracking bloke. He was obviously at the Battle of Britain thing with us. He was just down to earth and approachable. But on the field, he was a bloody good player. Mm. Um, better in uh, at the beginning of last season. I think he came on in leaps and bounds. I think, you know, he was a great attacking player. Um, I remember uh, a friend of mine, I think it was either Sean Simons or Neil Carlton, um, having a pop at somebody at Rotherham away because this guy was saying Toff never blocks a cross. It's like, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Give the, give the lad a break, he's let one cross in. I thought defensively he improved. I thought uh, going forward he was a real threat. Um, Dave Wilkinson, what are your thoughts, my friend? Yes, thank you, Gary. Evening. Evening. Um, I, I took some criticism on, on Facebook recently because I, I said that I think Harry Toffolo is the best player Lincoln have had in my time watching, and I go back to 1964, um, the, the fellow, to me, he's just come on leaps and leaps and bounds. And as you say, the dog's come in now. It's, been <laughs> it's not your <laughs> and, and as you say, um, he's so good off the pitch as well. I wasn't at all surprised to hear you say that he was at the bomber command thing that you went to. Mm. Every time I've been to any function uh, away from match days, uh, during his time at the club, Harry's been there. Um, brilliant, really, really nice bloke. Couldn't happen to a nicer fella. And um, I fully expect to see him in the Premiership before he's done. Wonderful. I really Look, do rate him that highly. That's high praise. Thank you, Dave. I'll drop you out again now. We will be speaking to you a little bit later on. But for now, yeah. um, you can pet the dog and we'll come back to you shortly. <laughs> <laughs> is it a Stacey West podcast if there isn't a dog on at some point? Uh, right, we're getting a tiny bit nearly behind time at the moment, and we've got a video for this next one. So, Alan Long, why don't we tell? Why do you tell us who's at number thirteen? One of my heroes. At number thirteen, Alan Marriott. I'm delighted to see Mazza here because he's a top top bloke. Um, let's hear from him. Right, so I'm here with number 13 on our list, Alan Marriott, um, record appearance holder, I think, for a goalkeeper. Uh, first of all, congratulations on being voted in the uh, 13th, mate. How does it feel? Uh, thank you very much. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a massive honour. You, you look back at the history of the football clubs had um, throughout the amount of people there and all the amount of time I was there with some fantastic players. So to, to come at that figure, it's, uh, it's a great achievement and something to be very proud of. Wonderful. Uh, and obviously you worked um, at the club for quite a long while, but you worked under Keith Alexander, which is probably the period that, that you enjoyed the most success. What was it like um, working under Keith and seeing that squad develop? Um, yeah, Keith was, was fantastic. Um, I mean, when I first went there, the club um, was sort of under new ownership with the chairman, John Reams, who was in charge and they were going through a difficult time. 
and then we went to administration and then sort of Keith took, took over, steadied the ship and then signed quite a few players from the non-league and everyone that was at the club did think, well, what's he doing? Does he know what he's doing? But obviously how it turned out, we all know how it, it turned out in the end and it was fantastic and I think he played a big part of the club being where it is now, to be fair, to, to turn it around and financially get the club back going again and had some good success, although we never crossed the line and got the promotion that we probably deserved. Um, it was some fantastic times and some great memories. Wonderful. And are there any memories that stand out for you in particular? Uh, um, there'd be quite a few, to be fair. I mean, the biggest one for me was probably the two games over Scunthorpe in the playoffs was after the first leg, I think it was 5-3 on a horrible pitch and the way that they come back into the game and then we turned it around and then obviously the second leg at their place with Simon Yeo scoring and then um, doing his damn buster celebration in front of the fans. It was uh, That was a, a right night to remember, to be honest with you. It's probably one that will, will stick long in the mind for a long time. And obviously you've mentioned Simon there. He's likely to feature at some point in the top 25. But who do you think the best players were that you played with um, at the club and why? There's a wide variety over the sort of the nine and a half years I was there. Um, I mean, Peter Game was a fantastic player when I was there. Um, Gary Taylor Fletcher was a different type of player to to what we'd had and a bit raw. And he's got some fantastic goals in his time. And uh, obviously had Gareth McCauley come through and, and Paul Morgan, who was a mainstay at the back as well as a captain. So there's a few sort of from that period. Um, and obviously Lee Frecklington come through as well and obviously went on to a fantastic career so it's hard to sort of narrow it down but they'd probably be my five or six that my time there were were top draw. Wonderful, thank you very much and congratulations again. No worries, thank you very much. Now I got a little bit starstruck when I spoke to Mazza (laughs) um, because the 2002-2003 through maybe to four or five was kind of a was a golden era, I think. Um, you know, and, and I was poacher, but I never really got around the players. I didn't do that kind of pushing myself in there. So it was the first time I've ever really spoken to Mazza. Um, still my favourite goalkeeper from my time um, at, uh, from his time at Lincoln. Uh, actually, I think three hundred and ninety-five appearances in total. Um, he broke Dan McPhail's record for clean sheets. Um, and and just as as Kate said, um, that's not Kate. <laughs> um, as Kay said, his criminal Mazza never played higher up in the football league. He, he yeah. is, I mean, you saw the save as he was talking about the game there. Um against Scunthorpe, you saw the save. And you know, he was phenomenal. And you could you always knew that if a player was going to go through one-on-one, there was a 50-50 chance it was going to be saved. And you don't get that with a lot of goalkeepers. Yeah. Probably the only thing, and again, somebody else, Marriott, Jake Bramwell says Marriott could have played at a higher level when he was at his peak. He could have done. Um, he was the best keeper in the in the um, uh, league by a long, long way. Um, I think he, he, he didn't get in the PFA Keeper of the Year either, um, and he certainly should have done. Uh, I'll pass it over to you in a second, but just to address this, Change my shirt more times than Ben has my new shirts and costume yeah, change. Yeah. I'm actually changing into the shirts of the video that we're showing from the player that was playing. So, you know, to explain that, I didn't have a Mazza goalkeeper shirt though. So, uh, Ben, <laughs> but, Mazza. No, I mean, I, I, I can't help but agree with you um, in terms of in terms of Marriott. I think uh, he, he could have and should have played at a much higher level. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably saw him and thought, "Well, he's not the uh, he's not the, the the tallest keeper in the world," but it didn't never made a difference. You know, he was his talent made up for it. Um, I think 
um, you know, like you were saying, you got a bit starstruck talking to him. I think I got very starstruck a few years back because he, uh, he, he he now works. Um, I think he's a Sparky now, and he came into our he came into our office, um, and you know was fixing some aircon and like basically loads of people came in and they just sat up sat opposite him as he's starting to fiddle about with the aircon and just went, <laughs> "You're Alan Marriott." He's like, "Yes, you worked with a good bunch." <laughs> No, I, that was me. Yeah. You could have asked him some questions, Ben. You didn't have to treat him like a circus sideshow. <laughs> but no, honestly, he was just—he was just a f- fantastic lad. Um, and again, I think he, he was the the kind of player that would keep his head down, away from you know, didn't get himself into trouble. And for me, the the, the outstanding memory, and I'm so glad I found a clip of it for that for the video that we put together, um, was the the failed Penenka against Torquay. When he the guy chips it and he starts to go that way, he just grabs it out of the air and then just goes over to him, just starts wagging his finger at him, just perfect and yeah, phenomenal keeper, absolutely phenomenal. If you look carefully, and I'll have to watch the thing back. I'm actually just behind the goal in like a cream Ben Sherman shirt and maybe even this top, uh, <laughs> shouting as many obscenities I could. <laughs> I can't think who the uh, the striker was. I can't think who missed it. So, uh, look. So we are six minutes running over at the. Uh, so should we go to number twelve? Go for it. Have we got any more comments? First of all, yes, we uh, do. Well, I think that's a good one. Mazza was quality. I wasn't going to put that one up, but uh, I will do. Gary changed his shirt more than Ben complained about his TV. I haven't got enough shirts, mate, for that, I'm afraid. Alan Long, who's number 12? At number 12, Gary Taylor Fletcher. Gary Taylor Fletcher. We're talking about Player of the Year in 2004, 93 appearances, 29 goals, and I doubt any of them were tap-ins. I think he held the, <laughs> or no, holds a joint record for the most amount of goals scored at the beginning of a season. I think he scored in six or seven games on the bounce. Um, sublime talent, clearly um, evident by the fact he went on to play Premier League football. Uh, key part of the... I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't call Keith's team the crazy gang, but he was a key part <laughs> of um, kind of that that, that era. spirit that we had. Hmm. Um, the year we went to the playoffs, we played Huddersfield and were beat, was beaten. I actually think the team that played that night, that evening, was was the best Lincoln City team until recent years. Hmm. You know, I mean, we had Mark Bailey on one defensive flank, Kevin Ellison on the other. I mean, it was a phenomenal side. Um Taylor Fletcher and, and Simon Yeo were, were forwards at that time, the the like of which we hadn't seen. You know, I also remember when he was playing old Gary Fletcher as well when he first yes. came in from Leighton Orient. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had a great story about Taylor Fletcher. Uh, and I think it was in a pro some programme notes that I did. And apparently they, they were on the bus to go down. Uh, the team were going down to play Leighton Orient. Um, and the bus was late, so they had to stop and eat uh, services. And apparently they all got off the bus and Keith Alexander said to him, you know, go and get yourself some food, lads, and then come back to the bus. So they all went in and they're coming back with their salad wraps from WH Smith's and, uh, and their sandwiches. And Gary Taylor Fletcher comes back with a Burger King and a, a, a Coke. And apparently Keith looked at him and I, I can't recall the story, but I think he looked at him and said something like, you'd better do well for me today, son. Um, and he scored a goal, and I think we beat Leighton Orient 2-0. I think he scored an absolute wonder goal against his former club, um, and he had that in him. Um, I just wish we'd seen it every week uh, mm. in a Lincoln shirt because I think he would have scored more than one in three 
um, had we had he managed to play every week, had he managed to perform every week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, it was um, he was the. Uh, I think he was the, the the sort of quiet one compared to Simon Yeo. Like you, when you have that, you when you have that dynamic as a duo, you've got the one that gets the headlines and the one that you know. And, and sort of takes the limelight in a way. And that's not to say anything, you know, derogatory about Simon Yeo whatsoever, but it was that it was that kind of, you know, Yeo would get the headlines, but Fletch would keep getting the goals and he'd keep putting the assists in. Um, I think there was that one with, um, um, th- there was the goal against Grimsby when Fletch put the cross in for Yeo's volley. Um, you know, he, he didn't just score the goals; he made them as well. And let's not forget one of the, you know, the back. The, I think it was that back heel. I can't remember who it was against. The keepers coming out and Fletch just sort of back heels it over the top of the keeper into the net. Just fantastic player, absolutely fantastic player, and rightly went on to play in the Premier League. Did he? We beat Scunthorpe two 0 on Sky, and I'm sure he set Yeo up in the first minute and then scored a chip himself. Yes, he uh, did. Yeah, that's right. Bar. So yeah. Uh, Paul Norton, if it comes up, mm-hmm. my memorable thing about Fletcher wasn't uh, wasn't as an imp. Scored a golf Blackpool live on TV just after Butch died. Shrugged all the players off to reel his message under the shirt. That was for Butch, you blue nose or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rolls remembers that. Kate Jackson remembers that. Um, it was against Cambridge. The back That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sid yeah. is a big Gary Taylor Fletcher fan, and there's also someone else had mentioned the. Um, Lane Orion game as well. So, uh, yeah, Gary Taylor Fletcher, absolutely superb. Uh, so, he's player of the year in 2004, top scorer in 2004 with 19 goals as well. So, that's in 03 04 when I'm saying top scorer. So, that was the, the Huddersfield season. Um, one of the few on the list who didn't make 100 appearances or more as well. So, um, I think that's a testament to a player's ability when he endures for so long despite not particularly having the longevity. So, yeah. Um, if you get a chance to listen to his podcast uh, on Under the Cosh, it was phenomenal. He talked about how he left Lincoln uh, and it was basically Keith let him go because he knew he could get a move to a bigger club and a higher level. And apparently, Fletcher, Gary Ted Fletcher was coming back to the club saying, am I going to get a new deal? And Keith was kind of going, no, just hold fire, hold fire. And then he was contacted by Huddersfield. So fascinating stuff. Uh, and Roy Thompson, good friend Roy, was at Orient when he scored the Wonder goal. Never realised it was fueled by Burger King. This podcast should be fueled by Burger King, but there isn't one in Louth. So <laughs> there we go. That's Gary Taylor Fletcher at number twelve. Mark Taylor, we're going to hear from for the last time in a moment. He's going to tell us about number eleven. Who is it, Alan? At number eleven, Percy Freeman. Now I know that there will be some fans frothing at the mouth now that Percy's not higher up. Bear in mind the demographic of voters. You know, we're not saying that Percy Freeman um, is not one of the all-time legends. Of course, he's one of the all-time legends. Uh, but Mark, why don't you tell us why? Well, you, you use the word legend, overused term, but for this fella, absolutely spot on. Um, just a wrecking ball of a centre forward. Massive physique. You talk about massive thighs. Goodness me! I mean, he, he was a he was a <laughs> Imagine Matt Reed with about three times the mobility. I mean, he was he was a terrifying prospect. Um, all power and aggression. A lot of a lot of penalty area goals with his head, as you'd expect. But he had a real, real shot on him as well. Um, 
had the distinction of being sold and bought back by Graham Taylor. So we sold him to Reading, I think in about 70, 73, 72, something like that. Didn't work out for him. Um, and then bought him back at a fraction of the cost. And then, of course, went on to be part of the 74-75 uh, title winning side. Um, he's a good parallel with Matt Reed, really, because you just have this charisma. Um, fans loved him. Posing supporters hated him. Proper wind-up merchant. Always stories about him being cited in um, high street hostelries possibly on a Thursday night and even on Friday nights. I'm sure they're not altogether true. They've grown in the telling. <laughs> but uh, I, I think he was probably another one who was uh, more fond of the Burger King than the than, than the salad wrap. But, yeah, ph phenomenal player. Uh, I think between him and John Ward, 50, something like 54 goals in the title winning side. I mean, just a phenomenal record. Uh, great player. And you say... <clears throat> That he was sold and bought by Graham Taylor. I think it was he was he brought in by Ron Gray as manager when he came first of all from Reading. Yeah, I probably because about nineteen seventies that would have been about it was either that or the Bert Loxley era um, because his local lad was from Newark, mm. but but for whatever reason slipped through the net when he was a kid. But um, and then apparently nearly, when he went to Reading, nearly quit the game. He was so disillusioned with it. Um, and it was only through Graham Taylor bringing him back that he, you know, didn't uh, walk away completely. So amazing character. I, I, there's a you, you'll have seen footage, I'm sure, on YouTube of the game against Doncaster when they clinched the title. I think he scored two of the goals that day. And there's a, there's an interview on there with Graham Taylor who claims at the end of the game, Percy gave him a bear hug and cracked his rib doing it, <laughs> which kind of seems unlikely. But I guess you know he would know, wouldn't he? And he, he, he did have the physique to do damage. So yeah, it's probably true. Wonderful. Just to clear it up as well, Malcolm, I knew was watching and would correct as Bert Loxley yeah, signed yeah, um, Percy. So, uh, look, Mark, um, it's the, the last person that we're going uh, that you're going to speak about. So, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being involved. Um, please feel free to stick around in the in the green room if you want to. Um, but it's been really good uh, listening to you and hearing your recollection of the players. So, thank you very much. Been a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much, Mark. See you. Uh, so just a couple of um, comments from Percy. Uh, Kit, who really wanted to grow and be like. Dee Hubbard, the man who made me love football. Uh, awesome Percy Freeman from Jason Reed. Stu Coulter, big purse, what a man. I mean, he just, lots of stories about Percy from Stu Wells. Look, you know, I, I hope that this isn't offensive, but Stu's a similar generation to myself and you, Ben. And you know, yeah, we we grew. I've grown up on stories of Big Purse from my old man. So um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, when you know when my dad was here, he would he would talk about Percy Freeman, um, and he'd always say, you know, oh, we need a we need a striker like Percy Freeman. You know, we need a player like Percy Freeman. And it was just, yeah, just he's he, it, it's the kind of player that I wish I'd been able to see. I've said that a couple of times about some players. Dave Smith was one. I'd love to have seen Dave Smith play for Lincoln. Um, more so after hearing kind of, you know, Mark's words about him and that Maverick. I, I kind of love that Maverick. And I think there'll be a player in the top 10 that was kind of my Dave Smith in the, you know, the Maverick that broke the mould that you could identify with as that kind of young person. You look at him and you go, you're not like normal footballers. You're you're something different. So yeah. I'd love to have seen that. Luckily enough, you and I both got to see the next man on the list. Alan Long, who is it? At number 10, Gareth McCauley. What a player. Just, just what a player. And I think part of it is... 
there is a part of it that's that's similar to what we said about Huckabee, is that this might be tinged by what he went on to do. But, I mean, we've got... I think this is where we're going to play the other clip from Grant. Um, I'd forgotten that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to play that now? Yeah, of course. It's the clip. Uh, this is this is kind of a little production thing we didn't discuss, but I'm assuming the clip also has the uh, discussion about some other players as well, doesn't yes. it? Um, yeah, so this, this is a clip from when Gary spoke to Grant Brown um, and Grant sort of discusses other players in that area. Macaulay, but we'll end on Macaulay. So uh, this is Grant Brown on the best best players that he played with at Lincoln, or a selection of them. We were talking off air a minute ago about players that stand out for you, and it interested me um, the list that you you rattled off because it's not always the obvious players either. Just talk us through a couple of the players that really impressed you, both during your time at Lincoln and and uh, after leaving the club. Yeah, I, mean, I, I first got there. The one one of the ones that um, that really shone out for me was. Um, Jim Nicholson, good teammates, great lad, but great left foot. You know, he's, he went on and uh, you know, went to Derby and uh, and then went up to West Brom and, and Chesterfield and uh, had a really good career. And uh, but he was a he was a very very good player. Very, I think he made his he, for a long time. He was the youngest um, person to play for Lincoln City. So at 16 years and so many days, you know, he was he was a Excellent player. Um, one that, another one, it, it would have gone on to uh, bigger things if he hadn't got injured was uh, Tony Lorma. Um, worked tirelessly for the team and was a great goal scorer. And say, if, he, if he hadn't done his cruciate knee uh, injury, uh, ligament, then uh, he'd have been, you know, he'd have gone on to, to, to great things. Um, the one that, that will surprise a few is. Um, uh, Jason Lee. Um, to have him in the team, the way we played at the time was quite direct, and um, you know he won his headers, won his battles for a young lad coming in. He scored enough goals as well, to, uh, but he created chances and got us up the pitch. He was he was excellent. He was he was brilliant for us. Good uh, mobility. He just would have hated to play against him. I did play against him a few times later on, but he, I think he must have liked me because he never elbowed me. He elbowed most of the centre halves, <laughs> but he, uh, he must have been. He must have remembered the um, our good times together. So uh, it, it was great to play with, um, and probably from the you know, just after my time um, would be Gareth McCauley. He was an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre half, and still in his in his last year there, which is. I compare him to, uh, people might laugh at me, but at the time, he, he was like watching Virgil van Dijk in the Premier League. Obviously, he's playing in the League Two, so there is a big difference, you know, uh, division gap. But he was he was outstanding that year. He just watched every time he saw him play. He just, he just looked too easy for me. He made one or two errors, but he was that good. He just covered in and got challenges in and, and got the ball back. And he was um, he was outstanding. He was brilliant for the team. He's a great sign, a great acquisition by I think um, he came under in Keith's era. I think um, Oaksy Keith Oaks had gone across to Ireland to watch him play and, and came back with a rave uh, reviews of him. So, you know, great scouting for that, great uh, um, teamwork from them to, uh, to get him on board. And uh, he was a, went on to have a, have a fantastic career, made most of the time in the Premier League. So, uh, um, yeah, great, great player, very good player. 
Graham, thank you very much for joining us on the uh, on the podcast, and hopefully we we might be able to get you on for a longer show sometime soon. No problem, Gary. Nice to talk to you. Thank Take you. care, mate. Cheers. Well, I mean, I think that more or less says everything about Gareth McCauley. Um, I'm not yeah. going to add anything personally. Uh, Darren Lilly says Gareth McCauley was his childhood hero. Kev Barwai saw Big Mac Mark Aguero out the game at the Hawthorns. He was great at Lincoln, but brilliant after he left too. Uh, Kate, going to be controversial. That's unlike Kate. Uh, didn't rain McCauley <laughs> personally. Um, but then at the bottom, he went on to play in the Premier League, so you can't argue with that. You know, scored in the European um, Championships for Northern Ireland. One of the, I would probably say, the only Lincoln play, ex-Lincoln player to have scored in a major tournament, potentially. Somebody might correct me on that. So, um, yeah, Gareth McCauley. Um, great find. Went on to have a great career. Top player. Um, 21 minutes past eight and we are four players away from half past eight we may overrun a little uh, <laughs> but we are overrunning at the moment um, so let's go on to number nine uh, we are going to be talking about another one of my heroes here uh, Alan Long, who is it? Number nine, Paul Morgan now, have you noticed Alan's got more enthusiastic uh, as we've gone <laughs> through the 25? And just to say, I mean, Alan, God bless him. Um, it, we were unable to kind of thrash a time together, so he recorded it on his voice thing on WhatsApp and sent it over to me. So it must have been incredibly tough. Uh, look, Paul Morgan, uh, mm. a player, if I had time, uh, I would have almost certainly pushed to get on here um, because he was – we just heard Graham Brown call Gareth McCauley a Rolls-Royce of a defender – in my mind, Paul Morgan was. Um, he was always one pace ahead again, like Jamie Forrester in his mind. Defensively, he always tried to be one step ahead. Um, I mean, I remember a couple of last-ditch tackles they made, one in particular against Hull once. That was just, he came from nowhere and timed it to, to absolute perfection. Um, yeah. Don't forget, he came to the club before we went into administration. He was one of the ones that stayed so he came through that bad time into the good time, just rolled on. I mean, we're talking about Player of the Year in 2003. That was a big, big season for Lincoln City, uh, and he was the Player of the Year in it. Um, I just think Paul Morgan was was excellent. Um, before I go to you, Ben, Paul Morgan, part of a defence that only conceded 37 in a 46-game season, captain and legend. Um, Morgan, absolute cast, sweeping up in a class in a back three. Stu Coulter, that's not Stu Coulter, that is. And you'll never beat Paul Morgan, which Peter Steele says the same. Um, yeah. You'll never beat Paul Morgan. <laughs> no, absolutely not. He was, um, you know, he, he was obviously the small man, wasn't he? You, you had, you know, Futcher and McCauley either side or Futcher and McComb or whoever it was that would be playing there. And he was the one in the middle that was, you know, the, the skipper. He was the, even though he was shorter than everybody else he had that commanding presence and he was just yeah it, just yeah as steve's put it perfectly he was the puppeteer like he would be the one that was pulling the strings and he would be the one that would be you know leading the line at the, at the back and he, he did exactly what a captain needed to do he was disciplined he was strong he was like you say every time that the ball came through you would feel that he you know players wouldn't get past him um just a phenomenal player, and uh, I think one of the one of the uh, things that we did as as kids was, you know, the, the season when he left, we bought him a bottle of Captain Morgan's rum because, you know, Captain Morgan he's he's disappearing. We we bought him a bottle of rum to send him off. And it was, uh, 
fantastic player and yeah i think was possibly was in my top five so when you were kids you bought him rum how did you do that well when i was 18 you know what i mean or 17 that's a kid isn't it uh helgi's talking about the away game what did that torquay forward say to him and now i might be wrong i know that game against torquay where he was sent off but wasn't another year at torquay where he scored one of the late goals and i remember the commentator going lincoln city were one nil down two minutes ago they're now two one up and i clipped it and had it as my ringtone and they used to be in jackson's (laughs) on the counter and all of a sudden from my pocket lincoln city were one nil down two minutes ago uh phenomenal look paul morgan absolute brilliant footballer i'd love to have got him on here i'd love to have got him on the pod um i think he put a picture of himself down at the ground the other day on twitter yeah, he did, uh, yeah. I believe he works in physiotherapy now or something like that at accrington he certainly did last time i knew um lovely down-to-earth bloke proper mm. defender great defender uh he's in at number nine and at number eight this is one that we're also going to have a video for um, a lot of people might have thought, might have thought that we were talking top three uh, for yet another Keith Alexander. At number eight, Simon Yeo. Now, that's the best, Alan Long. Um, uh, let's, just, let's just appreciate that again. Uh, <laughs> At number eight, Simon Yeo. And you could just tell that Alan wanted to break out into Yeo. <laughs> <laughs> But he probably would have like woken up his entire family. Yeah, exactly. Would have done. Uh, we've got a video for this somewhere. Ben uh, conducted an interview. Yep, he did. Yeah, I did. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Simon Yeo. So I am here with Simon Yeo, uh, voted in at number eight on our top 100 players of a generation for the Stacey West podcast. Um, Simon, how how does that feel? And, uh, you know, first off, you know, I think you've got something to, to say as well. So I'll let you take over, man. Thank, thanks, Ben. Uh, well, <clears throat> firstly, I'd like to uh, dedicate this uh, interview for a young lad um, who I've known for many years. Um, his name's Connor Mack. Uh, and last week, he sadly passed away. Um he played left back for North Reddish Working Men's Football Club. So I just thought I'd do this, this interview. I'd dedicate it to obviously him, his mum, his dad, and, and friends and family, basically, that, um, you know, he, he, he will be sadly missed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, man. But uh, I mean, on you know, on on the uh, on the positive side of things, yes. how how does that feel to to have you know been been put in that high regard by by the Imps fans that have voted for you? Eighth, I can't believe it. To be fair, um, like I said, I, I'm still a bit sure. Uh, but you know, when you hear stuff like that, that I've been voted eighth in, uh, you know, the fans' vote, it's it's um, it's. I can't believe it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, what what sort of um, what what big memories have you got from around that time? Um, oh. Obviously, you know, I think the I think the one that sticks in a lot of people's minds will probably be the uh, the Scunthorpe games. But um, <laughs> I mean, for yourself, what about uh, what about you? There's loads: uh, the Kidderminsters, the Bournemouth away, uh, the Grimsby's, the Attricks. Yeah, there's there's so many Swansea home, Hull. There's so many in Boston's, of course, and and, and like you said, the, the Scunnies. Um, there's so many to choose from. Uh, how have long you got, have you got? 
(laughs) (laughs) have you got a particular goal that's you know your 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 personal favorite yeah it's got to be my hat-trick for grimsby um the right foot volley you know they got it back to we went soon a lot they got it back to two all and then we just went down the right uh fletch put a ball in and and i don't know how i did it you know if we tried it again (laughs) 20 times it won't go in but it did you know at that time so yeah yeah that, that, that's that sticks in my mind you're saying all the right things you know to to endear yourself to the lincoln fans <laughs> though, which is uh which is why yeah. you've been voted in at number eight but uh, <laughs> is there anybody that um that you, that you can think of from around that time that you think's uh probably you know going to be in the top 100 with you or you know around that area uh well I, yeah I, I thought butch butch and gainey mm-hmm. um, obviously because they they were you know midfield they were absolutely fit young lads and you had to be in our team so mm. uh yeah um i'm sure possibly mazza morgs maybe mm-hmm. um, who else mm, mccauley came later uh i'll hand it over to you you tell me yeah <laughs> well i'm sure you'll be able to hear it when the uh, you know when the pod goes live and we'd we'd we're going live now so uh yeah just congratulations again man and uh we're recording this on your birthday so go and enjoy yourself mate have a good evening and uh yeah is there anything you just want to say before we uh, before we wrap it up yeah i just want to finish off by saying um uh sending me condolences to connor mac and his, uh, connor mac's family sorry um it's it's a sad state of affairs it's affected a lot of us and uh just stay strong and, and, and we'll all be there for you and that's from us, the lads at uh, North French Working Men's Club. Um, as for the Lincoln fans, top draw, always a pleasure to come and see you. I'm always made welcome when I'm coming down to the bank. And uh, I, I really do look forward to coming back down and, and spending some many, many hours getting drunk and having a laugh with you. Excellent stuff, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. he's he's a absolutely phenomenal character i mean obviously um you know just just away from um, away from the videos condolences to to the family of of connor but um you know he was um i think simon was probably a little bit shaken up by by what's happened but he was uh, he was good enough to talk to me uh for it and he's dedicated his place at number eight to connor but uh i mean yeah what a you know what a player um just I, I think you know i was making some notes earlier because i do do prep for this podcast gary um <laughs> and i just put i just put one word yeah <laughs> i just put one word just put hero like he was he, he came and i think it's it's a thing that we've said before is that that towards the end of that season he wasn't scoring you know he wasn't getting the goals that that i think we were sort of expecting from him but the fact is that he came and he absolutely just smashed it um in those last few games i mean obviously the, the games against scunny it was three all was it i think it, it got back they got about to three all didn't they and then we went with we, you know his two goals took it to five three and then obviously the goal away at glanford park it took it to six three on aggregate and just that oh, what a player you know some of the goals that you know i was, I was researching them for for the uh, the video some of them are just ridiculous I mean, he, he mentioned the one again, you know, for against Grimsby for his hat trick, and how how do you do that? It's just I just, crazy. Uh, well, I'd say about yeah. I remember um, 
became obviously in the summer of 2002 with Dean Cropper. And I remember watching a friendly, I think it was against Huddersfield or something like that, or one of the early games. And kind of he was hitting it from everywhere. And you could tell he was just, you know, he just wanted to play, come out and on league. He just had this kind of, I don't know, persona that he was just one of the lads. You know, it's almost like he had turned up and they'd gone, have you got your boots? And he's gone, yeah, I'll give it a go. And he was just, you know, so enthusiastic. And I confidently predicted that Dean Cropper would be a hero for Lincoln after watching those two play. Um, for seven months, I actually thought that I was probably going to be a little bit more accurate because obviously Ayo, after uh, I think he was sent off at Boston, struggled mm-hmm. to score. Um, you know, he's part of a fairy tale. He's part of um, Imp's folklore. Uh, he, you know, in the season, uh, 2005, 23 goals, player of the year, 2005 as well. Um, gutted to see him go at the end of that year. And then I think he came back as well. So, um, yeah, look, Simon Yeo firmly deserves his place at number eight. Uh, as we've only got 27 minutes left and seven people to go through, shall we go smoothly into number seven? Let's go for uh, it. May not talk about him for too long, but we shall see. Alan Long? At number seven, Michael Boswick. <laughs> I mean that 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 no no where are we there there that says it all just I what a man like I I I think in the most heterosexual way possible I love Michael Boswick and Harry just... Coppolo <laughs> yes um but honestly Rachel if you're watching I'm not sure about the first thing that he said I think uh, <laughs> I really don't I mean the thing is like you know Bos was just he he of any player, I think he's my favourite player of, of recent years, at least, just poss- you know, possibly ever. Yeah, Cuban crying. Um, he he seemed to change when he crossed over the the white line to get onto the pitch. I mean, he was that everybody that said, um, you know, that knew him away from the pitch just said that he was he was he was that man. You know, he was a really really nice bloke, but then he crossed over the line and he just turned it on. He was just a beast. Um, you, say, you say nice bloke. I mean, he was actually just reserved, quiet. You know, you talk mm. to the players and they would, you'd, you'd have a joke about who plays the music in the room. And it's like, oh, Bozzy will come in and just sit in the corner listening to his own. And, you know, for me, not turning up to his own contract signing media launch, yeah. but they had the empty chair. Um, yeah. you know, there was a certain enigma about Michael Boswick that you don't get with footballers these days, uh, and I don't think a little bit of enigma hurts every now and again, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I think that's what you got. Yeah, I mean, I think to to be honest, he's the only player that I've ever known that. <laughs> it's true. It is very true. Not true, because obviously, if you're li- if people are listening in, sorry, yeah, so, just so, she's used to his Michael Boswick love affair. His wedding picture is being replaced with the shirt, which says everything. Yeah, we're getting the shirt framed and replacing a canvas from our wedding day with the shirt. So, Pete Summer said, if you walked in <laughs> with your message, you'd go back downstairs, put the kettle on, make him a brew, and hope it was okay for him. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, like, he, you know, he was one of the only players that I know that has ever raised the atmosphere of a game with a tackle. You know that that one against Peterborough, yeah. and everybody knows which one I'm on about. Yeah, everyone does. Yeah, yeah. Because the game was, you know, the game was flat. It was, it wasn't really going anywhere. And then Bozzy put that tackle in, and the game just changed in a heartbeat. And that was Bozzy. Just, I was, I was gutted when he left. I really was, like, genuinely gutted. 
I was, I think, probably with hindsight, when you look at the fact he's out injured again, you know, potentially. Yeah. I, I think in terms of a footballing decision, um, hindsight and, and looking back retrospectively, it was the right one. Um, yes. But I think that it was still very tough to take um, because yeah. he was a battler and a fighter. And, yeah. you know, uh, he won trophies with Lincoln City. So, mm-hmm. uh, right. So we go from 2019's Player of the Year to... 1983's Player of the Year, Alan Long. Who is it? At number six, Glenn Cockerell. Glenn Cockerell. Um, so, Ben, again, a little bit before your time, a bit before my time. I have met Glenn on a couple of occasions, um, but I think there's somebody better placed live and direct from his holiday cottage in Cornwall. Let's bring in Dave Wilkinson. By better place, you mean older, Gary. I know, yeah. No, Glenn Cockerell. What, what a player. Um, very much like Percy Freeman that Mark spoke about earlier. He he was with us and then we sold him to Swindon and then he came back. Now, to be honest, when, when he went to Swindon initially, I, I wasn't too upset. I didn't particularly rate him in his his initial spell. But when he came back, it was, it was like a different player. And, and I've got to say, after Toffolo, he's the best player in my in my time, in, in, in my humble opinion. Um, I always remember the game against Bournemouth. We, we beat them 9-0. It was Harry Redknapp's first game as a manager. Derek Bell and Gordon Hobson both got hat-tricks. Uh, and Glenn Cockrell got two. And in the very last minute... He was thwarted by a fantastic save by the Bournemouth goalkeeper, who incidentally got man of the match that day. He was absolutely fantastic. What the score would have been without him, nobody knows. Now, had that goal gone in, three hat-tricks in the same side for for, for one game, probably unheard of. I doubt if it's ever been done before. Uh, But yeah, one hell of a player. Very, very much... I think he started off as a forward and that possibly wasn't his role and that may be why I didn't rate him initially. When he came back, he was a midfield player and he was he was the midfield dynamo. He was very much like Alec, Alec Woodyard, but he was thrust forward. He would win everything. He was all over the place. But when he got it, he would go forward himself. He'd carry the ball. He'd shoot from distance. Scored some fantastic goals and, yeah, thoroughly deserved his career. Um, later on when he played for Southampton in, I was going to say, the Premiership. But, of course, he was proper football in those days in Division 1. But, yes, one hell of a player. See, that's interesting as well, because obviously we, we'll keep you in, Dave, um, for a second, because you touched there on um, playing top-flight football for Southampton. Um, we'll just pick up a couple of comments before we move on. Uh, played up front in 82-83. Nick Oxbury says he's in uh, in his top five as well. Best wishes, Nick. James Bride, fantastic running with the ball, almost Gaza-like, better than Hoddle in the Milk Cup. Kev Barwise, all-time third best Imps player. Um, facts most, uh, he makes most Saints fans all-time 11, speaks volumes. Richard Godson, you always felt something was going to happen when Cochran got the ball. Stuart Coulter, loved this player. I mean, he just keeps on going. Uh, midfielder up and front, equally as good. Glenn Cockrell, my hero, Lincoln's Glenn Hoddle. It just doesn't stop. And I think that, um, oh, wrong one. Uh, I think that that's testament to the fact that we're talking here about a generational vote where an awful lot of people are going to be far younger than me. Um, And I never saw Glenn Cockrell pay. Uh, So we'll go from Glenn Cockrell. We'll go from the superlatives from him um, to another one. Uh, Alan Long, who's at number five? Number five, Gordon Hobson. 
Now, before we play the video, I'll go back to you, Dave, and then we'll let you take a breather. Gordon Hobson. Fantastic player. The, 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 the finest debut I've ever seen. He played against Cambridge United, first game in the Football League. He hadn't played non-league football at any standard. He came in and he absolutely terrorised Cambridge. We beat him 4-1, if I remember rightly. Uh, Morris Burton gave him man of the match. There was no competition. It had to be Hobson. But I can't ever recall Morris ever giving it to a player on debut before. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'll just tell you a quick funny story from that Bournemouth game that I touched on about Glenn Cockerell. I think I probably heard the funniest remark I've ever heard on a football terrace. Um, if you remember, I said it was Harry Redknapp's first game. Um, David Webb was in charge previously, the ex-Chelsea centre-half, and he got sacked in the, the week leading up to the game because he was discovered to be having an affair with one of the girls in the office at, uh, at Bournemouth. Anyway, we were, we were banging these goals in, and it was about the sixth or the seventh went in, and this fellow near me just turned around and he said, I bet David Webb shagging that secretary and laughing his head off. <laughs> and it, it just absolutely summed it up. And it was it was just just a brilliant comment. <laughs> well, look, thanks, Dave. We'll come back to you in a second, my friend. Um, All right. We do have something from Gordon Hobson, which I'm going to play in a moment. Um, six times top scorer in 79, 81, 83, 84, 89 and 90. Two spells, both a successful player of the year in 1985. Um, presented my granddad with a, a signed football after he retired on the field, which instantly endeared him to me. I saw him play. I couldn't do him justice purely on my own. I had to get Dave in. Um, I was genuinely, I actually, a little bit, bit goosebumpy when it happened. I actually got to speak to Gordon um, earlier this week. Okay, so I'm absolutely delighted to be here with a bona fide Lincoln City legend. You voted him as the fifth player, best player of a generation. Uh, Gordon Hobson, congratulations on the vote. How does it feel? Hi, Gary. Yeah, yeah a bit humbling, really, uh, especially when you consider the audience of the vote. Probably, uh, probably anybody under 35 never saw me play. So, yeah, yeah really proud about it. Thank you. Wonderful. And um, look, you've, you had a great couple of great spells with Lincoln. Um, which memories really jump out at you? There's so many, to be honest. I mean, obviously, I, I scored quite a few hat-tricks there, which were always good in the second spell. Scored a hat-trick away at Burnley. Uh, we had some great cup runs. Leicester, West Ham, Tottenham. Uh, just, just in general, I just the time there was fantastic because of the camaraderie with the players. And there's just so, so many times. I just can't really give you any special ones. I, I enjoyed all my time there. Wonderful, thank you very much. And, and we we always hear tales of Colin Murphy from uh, from Steve Thompson. I mean, it sounds like it was a great group working on the uh, Murph. What what was it like for you? Oh well, what a man! Uh, the best manager I ever had uh, made me into a man as well because I was a bit wayward when I was young, twenty years of age when I first went there. Uh, one of my biggest things was it every every half time and every full time you had to sit down. And if you picked a cup of tea up or something, you were told to put it down. You always had to listen to everything he said. And when I got transferred to Grimsby, the first time I ever, ever had another manager, came off the pitch at half-time the first game of the season. And I just can't believe everybody's walking around and the manager's trying to talk and nobody was... And that was just not Colin's way. He just, every time, sit down and look at me and don't do anything while I'm talking. 
And you know, what a man, what a, what a manager, great manager. Wonderful. Uh, and what other players from your generation, possibly from both spells, stood out as real top talent? Well, once again, Colin Murphy had the, uh, you know, he, he went to youth and he brought in players from non-league. There's just, once again, there's so many of them. Trevor Peake, Tony Cunningham, Mickey Harford, Glenn Cockrell, George Shipley, a great little player, Steve Thompson. There's just so many of them. Great characters, great players. Uh, and also, even in the first time when I went there, some of the older lads like Dennis Lee and, you know, and Peter Grotier and Phil Hubbard, Good, 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 good pros and, and good leads and gave you a good upbringing. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time, Gordon. Thank you. Wonderful. Yeah, so chatting to Gordon obviously was a, um, a real honour, a real pleasure. Uh, I've been wanting to do mm. it for many, many years. Uh, let's have a look at some of the comments that are coming in. Uh, Gordon Hobson, my fave player at that time, from Stu Coulter. Uh, Richard Godson, Gordon Hobson, creme de la creme, a member of the finest Lincoln City side I ever saw. Kev Barwise, my all-time favourite. Not many players score a hat-trick at Turf Moor when they're top of the table. Um, Nick Oxbury, Hobbo, top man and player. I think I was lucky because I did get to see him play for Lincoln when he came back. Um, he came from, funnily enough, from top flight Southampton where he had been with Glenn Cockrell. Um, I thought that he was unplayable um, in a Lincoln City shirt. I thought he was superb. Wonderful, wonderful player. Um, and he is number five. Got 15 minutes left to get through four, so we are doing it. This this, this shows on. on particularly flat, flattering for me. <laughs> I mean, before well, we before we came on air, we did have a quick look, and I think the first one was um put you in an A cup, mate. Yeah, I think it did as well. I put a bit of weight on, unfortunately, over uh over lockdown. Right, so we are now into the top four. Now, for those of you who are wondering um, where a local hero, where a recent hero is going to come, you may wonder no more because Alan Long, who's at number four? At number four, Matt Reed. The big dog. Yeah. I think time is going to continue to look favourably on Matt Reed. Um, yeah. He won, there's only two players on this entire list. Uh, who have won three trophies with Lincoln City. And Matt Reed was one of them, Harry Anderson the other. So he won the National League. He won League Two. Uh, and he won um, the AFL Trophy. Uh, I think he matured as a player. To uh, When he say matured, he changed as a player. So, for instance, in 2016, he got 23 goals. In 2017, he was 15 goals. That's leading goal scorer two years in a row. 196 appearances, 50 goals. And by the way, the stats for Gordon Hobson, he'd actually got 386 appearances and 105 goals, Ben. But um, I, I just think Reedy was... When we talk about players who are, don't fit the mould, I think Reedy is that type of player. Yeah. Um, you know, he was down to earth. I think the fact he'd come into football so late, he just, you know, he knew what it was to be a fan. Um, and, you know, he, he reacted to that. I think his inclusion this high up will be controversial for some. Um, but I think when you look back over history, it would 10, 15 years time when you're talking about nearly 200 appearances, 50 goals, three trophies, two promotions, um, him being at the centre of, of most of that. It's going to be hard to deny that he absolutely deserves his place in the top five. Hundred percent. I mean, the the comment from James um, uh, James Bride, uh, superb footballer. Don't be fooled by the size and the antics. Reads a game like nobody else. 
he just did. Like he has a footballing brain that is on a you know, it, it's almost on a par with with anybody else. Like he he would like he says he would he would read the game and just sort of find out you know figure out where he needs to be. Similar to Jamie Forrester in a way, like you were saying about him playing chess. He just he was. I mean, again, I came I came back to to the club kind of midway through that the, the National League promotion season. And it was, you know, when you see what Reedy was about and then looking back at the history of it, he was he was there saying, you know, he's um I think the the, the piece of commentary that's in the Macclesfield game actually got clipped out of the uh, the official one, the official DVD, but it's where they say him about um Reedy putting a transfer request in at the start of the season. And Danny and Nicky working so hard to keep him as part of the uh, as part of the club, and you know, just thank God he stayed because he was pivotal in that season. And as um, you know, as, as Stu just mentioned, that the goal against Coventry when we came back up, just he it is such a cliche to say, "Oh, he's got a great touch for a big man." But you look at some of the football that he played. Like, you know, he's obviously there to, you know, the, the big lump up forward, you know, up front that's going to get the ball punted up to him. But some of the touches that he played, like the little back heel for um, uh, for Waterfall's goal against Forest Green, you know, the little flick there, he would do that all the time. And he'd just look at it and see, right, OK, I need to do this. And then it's just a tiny little touch. Phenomenal player. And like you say, I think time will, will cement his place uh, in the top five. Wonderful stuff. I mean, I, you know, we, we, we're short on time. I could talk about Matt Reed. I think at the time he was called a legend and people said, oh, legend gets banded about quite a bit, you know, let's see. Uh, I think that now, you know, I think that we can safely say Matt Reed is a Lincoln City legend. Uh, yeah, the love for him. I mean, I was clicking some of the comments there. The love for Reedy is is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. It keeps on coming through. So um, excellent. Well done, Matt Reed. Now, the next player is the only person in the top nine to either not have won Player of the Year or finished as leading goal scorer. Uh, he hasn't won a trophy with Lincoln City either. So we're talking about a player based on skill. He's already been immortalised on the 100th podcast without ever being mentioned, courtesy of Chris Ray. Alan Long, who am I talking about? Number three, Peter Gain. I'd... What a left foot. Like if if there was a Lincoln City Hall of Fame for things, Peter Gaines' left foot would be in that Hall of Fame. It was just what a player. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to let you talk about Peter Gaines the way that I spoke about Harry Toffolo, Gareth. I could. Do you know what? <laughs> I, genu- I genuinely could because um, Peter Gaines was everything I loved to see. Uh, first of all, he came in. You could tell he was miles ahead of anyone in our squad, um, and yet Alan Buckley continued to play his son ahead of him. But you know, he he stayed. He stuck around. He was one that stayed through the administration as well. Which, in my book, you know, the two defining moments were with GM Boxall Conference relegation and administration, and players that stuck with us through those periods earned massive respect from me. Um, when Pete again was on form. He was unplayable. And you talk to anybody who played with him at that level and they will always ask, how was he playing at that level? Why was he not playing further on? Um, And I just don't think his personality had, um, I don't think his personality was geared towards that kind of 
being a footballer. And from what I understand, he's quite reserved. I tried to get him on. He agreed to do an interview and then I just couldn't, I couldn't get hold of him. I was, it's pretty gutted actually to speak to him and Gordon Hobson in the same day. I, I, I would have given up. I would be retired. <laughs> that's it. I quit. I'm that's done. it. I'm done. Mic drop. I'm out. Um, <laughs> I remember some magical game moments, but there was one game I can remember in particular was against Hartlepool at home. Uh, I seem to think that it was in the 2002-03 season. Hartlepool, I think, again, I, I might be corrected, it might be the year after, but Hartlepool were runaway leaders. I think they went up either that year or the year after. We beat them at their place. I think it was 2-0. Um, it could have been 8-5 to them. It was a scintillating game, and game was just phenomenal. And it was that night, I remember just coming home. Um, I've been with my mate Lee, actually, who don't go with it, he doesn't go anymore. Um, I remember us just saying, he's just a footballer. And my dad always talks about it. I mention it all the time. I say it on Match Day Live. My dad talks about footballers. Um, not in the context of lining up for Lincoln, but people who, when they've got the ball at their feet, they play football, they pass, they create, they flick. You know, they're not the grafters, they're not the workhorses, they're not the aggressive type. They're footballers. Peter Game was an artist. You put a ball at his feet, it was like putting a paintbrush in Van Gogh's hand. Um, and and that's all I've got to say about it, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. He's the thing is, I, I distinctly remember him being some, you know, a bit of a free kick wizard, but that's not the case from from what he, you know, from looking back on things. I don't know why I've got that memory in my head, but Lincoln's Iniesta. Yeah, he was just... I mean, he was the first name on the team sheet for me, absolutely, every single week. First name down on the team sheet, you know, Peter Gain. And it, you know, yeah, just great, great talent. Yeah. I did an interview with him. Dan Atkins said there about him uh, running the length of the pitch with Peterborough and doing the yes. next slide. Um, I did an interview with him where he, he kind of explained that away. And I think that's actually stopped him ever coming back to the club, even just as a supporter, because it's played on his mind. And I think there was some abuse that he had taken before the guy game uh, because there was a misconception that he had left the club for money. Um, and when again, when you if you look back over the interview, I might even find it and republish it. Um, it certainly wasn't wasn't particularly the case. Uh, another Absolutely. one of those issues where you know what we as fans perceive to have happened wasn't what actually happened. Um, yeah, doesn't yeah. diminish you know 263 appearances, 22 goals, um, developed as a, a wonderful footballer. Yeah. We've got two names left. Um, we're going to call Dave in just a second. We're about to bring in number two in your all-time list. Um, he is a two-time player of the year in 1980 and 1981. Uh, he, is, he was an FA Cup winner in 1987. Uh, number two, Trevor Peak. It's Trevor Peak. Dave Wilkinson, talk to us about Trevor Peak. Fantastic player. Um, when you gave me this task, Gary, I started to think about Trevor Peak and think of some you know, memorable moments from him. And I, I was just struggling to think of any. He And that, in a way, sums him up. He was just so dependable. He was there week in, week out, <clears throat> excuse me, with an 8 out of 10 performance, absolute minimum. I can't recall him scoring many goals. I looked at the stats and he got 7 in 170 or something like that. So I, I never saw him as a threat from corners like, you do with Monsma and you did with Waterfall and Raggett, 
McCauley and McComber going back a bit earlier. But Peak was just not nothing got past him. He, he was partnered with Steve Thompson for a spell, and I seem to remember he played with David Carr off him for a spell as well at, at the centre. Now David Carr was quite small for a centre back, but the pair of them, they, they were just absolutely brilliant. Nothing got past him, and and it was no surprise to see that he won the cup. Uh, with Coventry. Um, reading about him recently, and he's been coach for the assistant director of the academy at Leicester City for the last 15 years, and he's just retired. And the, the eulogy that's coming out about him is just unbelievable. He's obviously so, so highly thought of there, and everything was about the players he was coaching rather than him. And I think that probably sums him up as a man. And again, I saw Malcolm's comment there and I, I can't disagree with that. And I think, again, was it his personality that cost him perhaps an even bigger a bigger role in the game because he was a very, very quiet, unassuming bloke, but he, he went about his job absolutely superbly, as, as your vote will attest. No, I mean, Kev Barwise, again, you know, a big, um, uh, big Lincoln sport for many years, slightly longer than myself. Peaky should have been capped by England. What a player, so fast and read the game superbly. What I find remarkable as somebody that's come in after Trevor Peak, and obviously I knew of him, my dad would tell me about him when we first started going, is we are now, what, 40 years from when he played for Lincoln. Um, he played centre-half. Uh, and here he is at number two, ahead of players like Gordon Hobson, six-time leading scorer, ahead of Glenn Cockrell, who went on to play um, in, in Division One, ahead of Steve Thompson, Tony Cunningham, George Shipley. They're wonderful, wonderful players. Um, I, I was watching the votes. I was adding the votes up uh, on a kind of a daily basis, and I watched peak slowly rise. And I think it was because a lot of younger people voted very early. So there was your Matt Reeds and your Pete, Peter Gaines, but peak just kept creeping up. Um, and it's hard, I think, sometimes for for people like myself and Ben who haven't seen him play to understand exactly how good he was. Um, and obviously, he actually played his first game at Sinsel Bank against Lincoln uh, for Nuneaton Borough in the FA Cup. Um, That's right. So very, I, I very can't good. think anybody. I can't think of anybody in my generation that's ever had a bad word to say about Trevor Peake. Now, even some of the really, really great players we've had, could be somebody who doesn't like them for whatever reason, but I have never heard anybody say other than good things about Trevor Peake. Well, I think, and again, I actually mentioned Gordon Hobson. If if we'd had more time, um, Gordon was going to put me in touch with Trevor to do an interview. But unfortunately, time's just got the better of me. So, you know, maybe I'll try and, and we'll talk to him on the podcast um, in the future. Uh, look, Dave, thank you so much for your input, my friend. Um, it's been absolutely delightful. Um, enjoy the rest of your holiday and uh, hopefully I'll see you at uh, Sinselbank soon. Hopefully, yes. Get Boris sorted. <laughs> Take Cheers, care, Dave. Thanks, pal. Cheers, Dave. Right, we are nearly there. Let's have a couple of looks. Uh, there's another Trevor Peak. Nick Oxbury says three of mine are in the top ten so far. Trevor Peak just class on the field. I think we also decided that Nick Oxbury had put Gomez Darley in uh, last night. <laughs> when Nick messaged me, he sent me a text message while I was sat watching the telly, uh, and he said. Who did I pick in my five? So, oh, they only had two and a half thousand votes, Nick. So, hang on a second, I'll get out my Philo facts. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> there we go. 
Uh, right, so we are now down to the last one. So unfortunately, well, that's it. That's it, mate. We've you know we've it we've it nine o'clock now. That's nine it. We've, we've run out of time. time. Imagine out of time. you voted Ben Hutchinson, Andrew Broughton. Which one's it going to be? <laughs> um, look, before we go to number one, let's just have a quick rundown of the final twenty-five to two. Number twenty-five, Harry Anderson. And number twenty-four. Kevin Austin, number 23, Graham Bressington, and number 22, Alan Power, and 21, David Putnam, and number 20, Darren Huckabee, number 19, Paul Farman, and number 18, Grant Brown, and number 17, Mick Harford, number 16, Jamie Forrester, and number 15, Dave Smith. At number 14, Harry Toffolo. At number 13, Alan Marriott. At number 12, Gary Taylor Fletcher. At number 11, Percy Freeman. At number 10, Gareth McCauley. Number 9, Paul Morgan. At number 8, Simon Yeo. At number 7, Michael Boswick. At number 6, Glenn Cockrell. Number 5, Gordon Hobson. At number four, Matt Reed. Number three, Peter Gain. At number two, Trevor Peak. Now, in my panic, I picked up the wrong shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have picked up the wrong shirt. James Biddles, am I on the Fanta? I was. It ran out about eight o'clock, mate, and I haven't had time to go and get another one yet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to one, to be honest. Um... Well, it's it's not much of a reveal, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, let's go to Alan Long for your Stacey West top one hundred, uh, top number one. I'm getting all confused here. Best player of a generation. Number one, Gareth Ainsworth. <laughs> there he is. Gareth Ainsworth, 97 appearances, 41 goals, top scorer two years in a row, 13 in 96, 24 in 97, player of the year two seasons in a row, 96 and 97. Um, the picture there was actually taken on his final game against um, Scarborough Rochelle. when he hit his first hat-trick. But for me, um, I had Gareth Ainsworth number one. Um, yes, yeah, the, reason, the reason I picked Gareth Ains as number one, I turned 18 in 1996. I liked Britpop music, I liked kind of that, that what went on to be kind of Cool Britannia, which got achingly painful when they started rocking up at Downing Street. Um, but I was a young person, I was you know, I was that age where you were turning into an adult and you wanted people, you wanted role models. Who kind of reflected that and that with gareth ainsworth i'd watch him play football on a saturday then i'd play in the same pool league as him on a thursday night in the short ferry league when he played out of um hainton mm. and no just having that isn't enough you know but he helped revolutionize the side he came in the year uh, that we opened with with putnam and uh west wicks came in the team fell apart um johnny beck came in turn things around and you know i know that there's other people there's the likes of colin green who um you know is, is a fan of the same sort of era as myself um and i just think you know he, he captured a moment he captured kind of a for a certain age if you're 40 41 42 
Gareth Ainsworth was just something more than a footballer. You know, he symboled rebirth for the team. And, you know, he scored an awful lot of goals. Um, mm. And you know, it, often it was Terry's long one, Colin Alside's head, Gareth Ainsworth's toe, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, 3-1, whatever. Um, but, he, you know, he is a legend. It hurts a little bit that we're naming him as this, and he probably cares a lot less about Lincoln than we do him. And, you know, when you look at some of the players on the list, like your Gordon Hobsons and your Simon Yeos, that's not the case. Um, but, you know, such is football, unrequited, unrequited love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've put in here um, in my notes, I just said, you know, he's a player with devastating ability. Um, the day that he left, or the day it was confirmed that he was leaving, um, I left school. Uh, I went into the news agents when the back when the echo was daily. Um, walked into the walked into the news agents, um, looked at the back page and saw you know Ainsworth leaving the Imps and like legitimately it was the first time that football made me cry. It was it was genuinely heartbreaking when he left. Um, I mean, his it, you know his record speaks for itself. Um, the fact is that he's gone on, you know, he went on to have a good, you know, decent playing career. And now he's doing what he can do, you know, in, in management at, uh, at Wickham. Um, I think the, the fact that he's number one doesn't surprise me because of the fervour that existed around Gareth Ainsworth when Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley left the club. The number of people that were, including myself, like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to pretend I was, I was free of this, but the number of people that had this, like you know, the, this for this like uh, the, the kind of passionate need to have Gareth Ainsworth come back to the club as the manager. That was just a symbol of of what he meant. And I mean, I was uh, I would have been what twelve, thirteen at the time, I think, when he left. But in the in the same way that you say that you know you were a bit older than you know obviously you know a bit older than myself, and you, you were in that area where you know you were listening, you finding your music, finding yourself. I was still quite young, but I was finding myself as a Lincoln City fan in a way. You know, I was I was you know understanding what Lincoln City meant to me because I understood what it meant to my dad, and the fact that you know we had this player that everybody identified with, and everybody, you know, we saw the goals that he scored, we saw what he could do, we saw his ability, and then he just kind of he left, and that was it. It was like that was the first time that I really understood what supporting a football team can you know how supporting a football team can be really devastating as well as being fantastic um and you know i i don't i i can't imagine there would be too many people that would be able to argue apart from bubs that gareth ainsworth should be number one i was just trying to find that actually uh but there's been so many comments bubs not for, not for not for him not ainsworth um, and that's fair, you know, fair enough. Football is, you know, he's is, is, is like art, isn't it? Where the beauty yeah. is in the eye of the beholder. What I will say is that of the two and a half thousand votes, and bear in mind they were staged from five to one, Gareth Ainsworth had 148 more votes than anybody else at all. Um, in fact, Matt Reed had the second amount of votes, but he was often the fifth player rather mm. than the, the top ones. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth had the most amount of number one votes. He actually had twice as many votes as Trevor Peak. Um, and from the Let first, the first five or six votes, and that tells you how many people rate Trevor Peak as, as number one over and above the others. Um, he was just he led from the first ten votes 
uh, right the way through. That was it was always going to be Gareth Ainsworth in the scoring system. Um, he's, he's hundreds and hundreds of points ahead of anybody else. The top three after that, uh, Gain, Reed, and Peak, were all very close. They were swapping and rotating all the time. Um, but Ainsworth was just miles and miles ahead. So, um, time wise, we haven't done bad at all. No, I think, I think we actually hit we hit the nine o'clock uh, the nine o'clock list. We did. Uh, so James Biddles is saying, "What was yours and Ben's votes, Gary?" Okay. Uh, well, I actually have mine available on my phone. I've I've had it screenshotted since I took it. So, okay. Um, my top five in reverse order. Uh, Nathan Arnold was number five. Um, the reason being that if it weren't for Nathan Arnold, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast with Gary. Like it's as simple as that. I I. I hated football. I hated going back to Sinselbank and, you know, I've made no bones about it, but I went back for the Ipswich game and Nathan Arnold's goal put love back into me for football that I did not think was possible to exist. And, you know, for, for that, I will always be eternally grateful to Nathan for, for what he did. And the fact that, you know, he, he kind of introduced me and you as well. Um, at the event that he did. So, you know, it's sort of, there's a lot for, for Nathan there. Uh, number four was Simon Yeo. Uh, number three was Peter Gain. Number two was Michael Boswick. And number one was, was Gareth Ainsworth. Um, yeah, it's it, just just a phenomenal player for, that Gareth was. I mean, you, your top five, guys. Did you actually vote or did you, uh, did yeah, you no, just I have did. a top I, five I, I did vote. I actually, uh, I actually put the first vote in and we've got, uh, we've got, a famous watcher, great show, guys. Look forward to a pint back hey. when he comes over my round. Um, I still owe Mr. Yeo a drink for arguably one of the most memorable moments of the Norses, that, that Torquay game. Um, and, you know, we talk about everything else. We talk about Bournemouth and, and the Scunthorpe games, which were phenomenal. But I remember that Torquay game. I was living on Atwater Close on Glebe Park, and I got A4 paper cut out the words the imps in a4 paper each one was a letter and stuck it on the bonnet of my rover 214 with sellotape uh, and after yeo's uh, after simon's goal ben and uh, not ben uh, lee and i my mate lee and i drove around lincoln just literally doing laps playing hey jude on repeat all the way around. <laughs> um, i went out that night in town uh, and I could do it back then and I was I won't say what I was powered by but there's a picture of me with a majority of the squad I don't I didn't think Simon was there but Bimo was there Ben Sedgemore uh, Alan Pierce was there Mazza and there's just a picture of me and there's me eyes rolling back in my head um, with all these players it was the first time I'd ever met any footballers really even though I was poacher I hadn't kind of gone around them phenomenal uh, having said that uh, my top five and I can't remember the exact one to five, um, but it was Ainsworth, Putnam, Hobson, Gain, and I, I can't. I, I think I think it might have been Paul Morgan. Mm. Um, I'd have to double check or Graham Brestington. Um, but yeah. it was definitely Hobson, Ainsworth, Gain, and Putnam. Uh, oh no, Tony Lorma. Sorry, it was Tony Lorma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, but again, that's. I think when you're a kid uh, and you watch a player play they leave a more lasting kind of impression on you because I think you tend to watch football in a different way. So you watch the goals and see the goals and, and the bits that happen in between sometimes are the bits where it's like, Mom, what time is it? Can I have a burger? And when you're, when you're like our age, you kind of sit and watch everything. So you see things yes. very differently. Um, yeah, yeah. 
so you know gordon hobson paul smith uh was a player who i would love to have voted for uh, which paul smith not the one that uh, came from Ryan <laughs> Forest, uh, the other Paul Smith. Both good players for the club. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have mentioned Steve Holmes, not in the top 100. I mean, that Steve is... Steve Holmes. I mean, th- th- bizarrely, Steve Holmes, um, he, uh, yeah, he got in touch with me on Twitter the other week. He mentioned, you know, we had a quick conversation and he just said about... Um, I said the only thing I think we were missing was somebody with, uh, with Steve Holmes' penalty-taking ability in the current squad because oh, he put them away, didn't he? Was he messaging you for? He wasn't messaging me. He didn't slide into my DMs. You know, he wasn't. Did he slide into his DMs. Were you looking for a new, a new buffalo? <laughs> yeah, I need a new, for... I need a new ginger co-host that's not <laughs> going to take the piss out of me. <laughs> you were looking for an a men- menage a trois to watch on, were you? <laughs> um, fantastic stuff. Uh, oh, Malcolm Johnson's been with us all night. He's got to go. He's told the time has flown by. Uh, look, at one point tonight, we had 154 people watching this. Um, there's 107 now watching us do the bit at the end of the podcast where we forget we're recording um, <laughs> and just give each other some stick. Uh, look, I just want to say a massive thank you um, to all of the players who uh, very kindly agreed to give up their time for an interview. Massive thank you to Alan Long. Uh, for giving up his time as well. Huge thank you to everybody that has uh, watched the podcast uh, tonight and has listened to the podcast over the last 99 episodes. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the club. Not, I'm on a, a thing called the Fans Hub. I'm sure a lot of you have signed up for it and there's a lot of other content creators there who would give a knacker to be um, as as kind of helped by the club as we are you know they, the club so kindly put out the uh, the tweet earlier huge huge thank you um to chris gray and in an unusual um show of kindness uh towards uh this guy uh, thank you ben for putting some of the videos together all of the long videos together not not the uh not my uh, my favorite videos uh number nine paul morgan that wasn't the one I'm at. at number eight, Simon Yeo. <laughs> Yeo. Um, so, yeah, thank you uh, to uh, everybody. I hope I haven't missed anybody. No, absolutely. I mean, to, to be honest, you, you know, I just I, I just want to say thank you to um, to everybody that's, you know, downloaded an episode of the podcast, listened to an episode of the podcast, subscribed to it. I mean, this started as what? I think... I, I sort of came up to you outside the outside the um, the centre spot, and it will always be the centre spot. You it will me. always be the centre spot. You and I said, you know, social media first. Yeah, you know, like, would you fancy doing a podcast? And it was like, well, all right, I guess. I mean, I I barely knew, you know, I barely knew, and it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a stretch to kind of say, oh yeah, I want to be a part of your, you know, your website and do stuff, but like it's um yeah it's just been it's been ridiculous really like i've i've not been i've not been able to have that link to the club in such a way and i mean obviously you've said about the you know the links that we've got with the club and and the, the support that we get from the club i i cannot believe how supportive the club have been of this venture to be honest like we we sort of decided to do it for a bit of a laugh and you know something extra to put on the website every week but it's it's turned into something more than that. I mean, I've had messages today from people within the club. Um, I've had people, you know, people outside the club as well message me saying good luck. And it's just, um, yeah, it's it's just phenomenal. I am getting totes emotion. 
I, you know, Adam saying I'm getting Tokes Motion. I am. Like, it's legitimately, this has been... I don't know what Tokes Motion means. Is it for to- Totally yeah, emotional, yeah. Gary. Yeah. Totally I emotional. I know, it's kid speak. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I forgot as also sorry, I forgot to thank Dave and Mark, which was awful of me. Because yes, they were of course, of course. Today with their insight as well, yeah. so my apologies there. Yeah, look, from my point of view, um, I tried to get a couple of podcasts off the ground. I've been part of one that somebody else ran. Um, I'd approached a person who, who was going to do one and then kind of um, said they were concentrating on their um, uh, their content and then kind of you and I got together with it. Never thought we'd get to 100. You know, no. had so many highlights. Um, obviously, the live show, this one. We've had a few low lights where we've had terrible recordings go out. The, oh, the Christ, the one, the one the other week was horrendous. Oh, like, sorry, to, to give you an idea, to give you an idea, basically, when we record... Normally, we have a Skype call going so we can talk to each other. And then we have a separate program. <laughs> Rachel's enjoyed the piece and asked if you can carry on for another hour. Might as well. But we have a separate program that records and then uploads it as it's recording. So if there's any problems with any internet connections or anything like that, it can sometimes garble the Skype call. So it's just on very odd occasions, I'll get like a couple of seconds of gas and then I'll get like silence and then I'll get... A- quickly sped up version of catch up um i'm not doing my cleaning rach is telling gaz to to tell me to stop waffling on it's not happening but um yeah honestly like this has been i've i've loved it absolutely loved you know doing the podcast it's given as opportunities that i didn't think i'd get as a as a fan you said loved it in past tense you can keep doing it then i'm not getting rid of you so far i've loved it so far uh just a quick one jamie shaw when is plymouth review ipswich preview pod going to be out and um, we might struggle with that because ben has family commitments and um, so i might do uh, a short live we're not going to call it a podcast because podcast 101 is coming up uh, we're going to do a room 101 themed podcast so it's all specials now we've got two <laughs> uh no so yeah that's uh that will maybe uh something that i do on a video a uh, quick couple more before we wrap up. Congratulations on the 100 from Roy, uh, top man and a good friend. Steve, not seen for a long while, another good friend of mine. Congratulations you on the 100 episode. Great as always. Uh, Bob's guys, costume changes have been better than yours, Ben. Uh, All right, I'll get my top off. Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> uh, and Richard Godson says, have you just won an Oscar, Ben? <laughs> I love the Academy. No. Right, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I think that's enough. What we shall do is we'll play out with the video, then the feed feed will end. Please go to the forum. Uh, Have I got the forum? There it is. Please go to the forum. You can find it on the Stacey West. It says at the top on the forum. Please go there and comment. The more clicks, the more comments. We will raise some money for the football club. Struggling to go at the minute, but there's a few people going on there, which is great. Thank you to those that do. Um, And I think the final comment of the night can go to Rachel. Uh, Well done, guys. So that spends much better half. Um, (laughs) You've been great. We've not been bad. Thank you very much. Goodbye, guys. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.